I should probably think of an intro like a day before, because once again, I totally forgot. This isn't a, this isn't me trying to do a running bit, by the way. This is just me literally being uh, forgetful and not clearly professional. As uh, Jason, who is to my this is this quarantine chronicles episode <laughs> wow. episode Whoa. six. What just happened? Episode six, episode five, episode five. That's that's why I, that's why five. I keep. Damn. That's why I keep uh, Jason around on my I'm, virtual left. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally uh, just a bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, liaison to uh, to RNHQ. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Then we have Angel to my virtual right. What's up? What's up? We've we've been having a lot of uh, technical issues on the back end. Uh, I I constantly with my audio issues, and then Jason has a bunch of audio. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, it felt like we all had a pretty terrible night yesterday. I do. Like, you with your technical issues, Jason with his, me with... I'm just kidding. I was going to say Hamilton, but... Wow, shots I, fired. Yeah. And, I mean, that fits the theme of this show, but shots fired. Uh, no, yeah, it... Um, I don't know why we've started to turn the Quarantine Chronicles into a... I'm not going to lose my shot. It's fired. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know why we uh, are turning... No, the, the Hamilton song. I know, yeah. I know. I was piggybacking off it. I'm not going to... I'm not going to lose my shot. I don't really know why we have turned this into the let's complain about the behind the curtain, but it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, so did you know that computers can actually say system overload as if they are in a sci-fi movie from 20 years ago? Because they can. Because half the time we record this, my Mac, with no programs running and 16 gigs of RAM, like, so my tell Mac. me... Yes, likes to, <laughs> likes to tell my me the system, system overload. So I've been dealing with that. So... Apparently, the best you can do is just like hope nothing else is running and just sort of run with it. But just show, just showing our side. Just, just the windows. Grab yourself a nice little windows. Yeah, because ah, it's only garage man. Everything else. I mean, I'm too angels. Ego- angels in, I'm too angels in the system, middle. Man. I have angels like- in the, in the middle of of uh, of building his first PC, which I'm super excited about. Yep, super excited. I'm I'm really excited about that and all the potential I'm gonna get. Just the fact that I it opens up a whole other ecosystem that. I, you know, this is starting to sound like the beginning of the conversation we had a few weeks ago about getting a different console. Where it's like, I'm always like looking over there like, oh, I feel like I'm missing out. I want to try like all these games that my friends are playing, but it's not Mac compatible. And now I'm jumping onto the other side. Like I'm going to get looking forward to messing with VR and all these other animation toys and of course a bunch of games but i use yeah. i use windows at work i'm literally seeing like i have my work from home set at this desk where my laptop is and i have a dell sitting in front of me with windows 10 and i'm maxing next to it and i definitely still gravitate okay. towards the mac so so what is it that's keeping you on the mac side? I mean, so you said the ecosystem what on what on I mean, ecosystem is great on os i definitely still love it more than a pc because i do use a pc every day also but well, I mean, I, it's just, you know, it's a software. It comes down to the software, but yeah, I, I would definitely wish it was as easy to use as a Mac, just because there's less stuff for me to mess up. Because I'm not what, one to what customize. Part, my what stuff. part yeah. of what part yeah. of 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 uh the ecosystem Mac OS is keeping you there? Me? Because I I can literally only think of one thing that it has. Well, what's the over thing Windows. that you like? What's the one thing? Well, no. What I, what I'm you hold on. You, I'm asking you what is I know, I was because to you can you can you can have iCloud. You can just have iCloud on your on your no, PC. No, so I have, like, So I'm sitting here right now talking to you guys with my MacBook Pro open. I'm we're using our my iPhone 
again, to keep the Macrum system overloading, my iPhone to do the voice chat with you guys so we actually know what we're saying. I'm wearing my Apple Watch. I have everything backed up. My photos all synced to iCloud. My music is Apple Music. My – like everything, I'm full – yeah, Apple. but you could I have an Apple TV at home. Yeah, I have an Apple TV at home, which I yeah, use AirPlay nothing for. Nothing that you mentioned is stuff that you need everything to be a MacBook for. Like something that yeah. I really like Mac for that you could only really do with Apple is I airdrop a ton of stuff to all my devices. And I love that sometimes I'm on my iPad, I'll copy something, and then I could just press paste on well, my yeah, that, that's what I'm computer. Building. That's and what I'm building towards. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like, like those little things. That's what I'm building but do towards. You do, but do you do that? Yes, I use the Notes app. Actually, another little inside story about the podcast, the way I collect the stories when we do the normal Roundtail podcast and the way that I do it is I'm on my phone, I'm on my computer, and as I see stories, I bookmark them. And having – and I use Safari, which I guess I could use Chrome. But having the unified bookmarks is really nice. Having notes on both where if I see a story and want to jot down something I'm going to bring up in a week, like I was actually just doing after I watched um, oh, some yeah, of the movies we're talking about, yeah. having it on the phone and being able to jot it down and then going to the computer be able to expand on it with the unified thing is really nice. And I know is in that, a way – But is that every, exclusive to macOS? The last I was about yeah, to say. say Hold on. Surface could say? Every, no every ecosystem on some level has some sort of syncing. And if you don't want to use the baked in OS level one, there's Google, which does their thing. But I do appreciate the privacy stuff Apple does. I did come from PC. I didn't have a Mac until uh, the final quarter of uh, senior year of college. That's right. I think I, I was got on my, Mac, my first MacBook right before you. Yeah. And um, I got in March 2011 was my first MacBook. And I – so I came from Windows. I'm not like anti-Windows. I just – and I like the Mac world. I like dumb little things like my uh, home kit, all my house lights are like I can access from the computer and from the phone. Um, like I don't know. It's, 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 it's definitely like a creature of comfort or a creature of habit thing. But I do really like Apple, like what they do for the most part. And how everything's so no, like, no. And, so and I totally get, it. I totally get so. it. Like, like ev- having everything synced in. But me personally, I I'm an iPhone guy. I'm I'm definitely not yeah. an Android guy. But I don't see there being a lot of differences between what you're doing on your Mac. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't your need... your iPhone and your Mac versus my iPhone and my Windows. You know? So I don't need anything on Windows except maybe to fix the system overload. But no, and, and Jeremy's speaking, like, there's nothing on no, but there's nothing on Windows <laughs> that I actually like. And for, and for much I would less rather cheaper I, I would I would rather use GarageBand to record, which I'm using than Audacity. Audacity feels not as it, it's just not as easy to edit. It's like super easy to cut stuff up and drop mm-hmm. in here. But then again. I mean, Audacity is free. I mean, yeah, technically GarageBand is free, but, you know, that's like, uh, Audacity is freeware. It's like someone just made it and put it out there, and GarageBand is, has the backing of Apple and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that app, I mean, PCs have access to a ton of that kind of stuff is also really cool because there is a lot of other things that oh, we want to yeah. use. Yeah, but. and and, and kind of to, to the point I was getting to before, it's like I don't do a ton on my computer. Like I go on the Internet. I read Twitter. I listen to music, I do the podcast, I write the script, I use Photoshop. Those are the extent of it, really. And Photoshop, I don't know if it's still true, but has, you know, has the history of always running better on Mac. Just built Mac first, I believe. Um, Apple Music, like iTunes on Windows sucks. Just matter of fact. It well, just iTunes sucks. has, iTunes has sucked regardless of the platform. 
No, but on Mac now it's not bad because they um, they finally lightened it up with um, uh, Kalina here, the latest version, where it's just Apple Music now and it's very clean and it, it it's fine. But like on Windows, it's a total resource hog. Like it's not great. Apple doesn't obviously, you know, they're putting it there because there's an audience for it, but they're not. They don't really care about it there. It's just a means to an end, opposed to here where it's like part of their platform, so they want it to be the best it can be, yada yada. But um, yeah, so like for the stuff I do, like the apps I have are fine. It seems minus the system overload issue, which I'll figure out eventually, hopefully. It seems it would be really ironic if it just flashed right now. But uh, minus that, it seems like um, for the most part, like I'd just be reinventing everything I do just because it's on a different platform. Like I'd just be like, oh, I'm going to Windows now, and now I'm doing everything I did over there, but I have to like find all the equivalent programs or relearn everything or whatever. Well, I mean, so. I feel like all the equivalent programs are there. Like, yeah, but I have to like go through the process of like like I have a perfectly good setup, and I'd have to like go through the process of okay, well, I'm gonna use extend notes. Well, I guess I keep like Notepad good plus setup plus up until we or, start recording podcasts. Well, everything except this recent system overload bug, which is only the last three or so episodes. That so. is weird that that just kind of came out. Of so nowhere, my theory but... has to do with the automatic level control being on, and that might use more RAM because that helps keep my volume stable. Um, ironically, another weird thing about GarageBand is when you turn off automatic level control, at least on my Mac, it actually starts automatically level controlling. So you turn it off and then it starts just like lowering you over time. Well, if you leave it on, it keeps it where it is. So I don't, I don't get it. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 it's very, Angel, you made the point that it's kind of like analogous to our, uh, conversation in the last quarantine, uh, chronicles about like me being stuck in my Nintendo ways. I mean, in it a is, way, but less is. so. It's, I'm yeah. a creature of comfort. I don't really, I'm not big on change much. I mean, this I mean one, change I, is good I, when it happens, I but I don't seek it out necessarily. Sometimes de- I mean, to my own detriment. But, um, I, yeah, so that's why. <laughs> I, I feel less inclined to, like, push you to a different, like, you know, computer ecosystem than I would to a different console. Just because, like you said, like, I mean, you know what you use it for. It would kind of like to have to relearn everything. There is, it's definitely, there's a, there's a higher learning curve. To oh, just, to just, just, and, just and I do before, know, I do know I, how I, you it, no, yeah, no. Even if you use it all the time, but I mean, just to use it habitually yeah. is a different. Like, and also, small is a different thing. Small, I mean, you're fighting against muscle memory at that point. Small little side but, note: like, I'd have to pay like six hundred dollars for Photoshop if I switched. So, like, right now, I'm mooching off. Uh, my family has an Adobe like subscription, so it, we get one copy on Windows to, oh. and one copy on Mac, and it's like the equivalent of ten bucks each, I guess. But if I were to go to Windows, I would need to pay my own Adobe subscription. And why why would I do a silly thing like support a developer myself when I can just do it through someone else and not pay? Just to be just to be clear, I'm uh I'm You're just, just asking, like I know. Yeah. Uh, like I'm just like ribbing you. I don't I'm not mm. like, oh I know. you should switch over to Windows. It's so it's so much better. Oh no 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 uh, I know, I know. Yeah. I, I I was just curious as to like because I mm-hmm. feel like with the exception of uh iMessage I'm pretty sure oh, like everything. I forgot iMessage. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, like iMessage yes. and and we've gone over this I I think outside of the podcast of like how stupid Apple is for not having uh iMessage on on Windows or like other platforms. Well, it depends like, on our definition of stupid. Well on a business side, it's very smart. Well yeah, on a business side it's very smart, but like who Google doesn't have uh uh end-to-end encryption solution like yeah. they say that they're always going to get to it but then they decided oh we'll just do uh rcs instead which all right that's fine but then it's like oh yeah we're gonna have say si- oh let's just all get signal no one's gonna get signal or telegram or any of that stuff well <laughs> yeah i feel like it'd be safer 
for everybody if they just had iMessage on on the uh, on like Android phones or on Windows. Yeah, I mean, yeah like, so what Apple does particularly well, I think, is they know to your point about like, you know, Google tried RCS and like, you know, no one's gonna download signal as Apple knows ultimately, and this is why I think up until Big Sur, which comes out in September, they have always defaulted to their own apps, is they know a lot of people will just use what's there. Like if you look at someone like my mom or whatever, she'll get like, oh, I want this like news app or I want this thing, but she also is using Apple News. She's using Safari. She's using the default mail app. She never is considering the Gmail app or like, um, you know, downloading Chrome or like Dolphin Browser or any of those things or the Firefox app. Like Apple knows that people will fall back on the default. So then if they make iMessage in particular – such a selling point like it has you know an emoji it has security it has um those little blue bubbles versus the green bubbles which is like a status symbol for some people which is kind of bizarre um you know like people like oh i'm never gonna date like a green bubble and like weird things like that like they obviously that's tongue-in-cheek but also kind of not but like they know they can sort of sell the phone off that alone if they make iMessage one of the baked in things so they know everyone uses it and then they make it so good and so like well thought out and fully featured that it just becomes the selling point of iphone because like the other stuff they've started pouring to other devices you know apple music apple tv plus all that those are all subscription services so they're making money off that anyway but iMessage would be free presumably mm. and that's where they what, kind what of, if they what if they just charged a dollar i dollar. feel like like, I feel like, does like it, for doesn't them, um whatsapp does that right like they charge you a dollar a year stopped, actually Maybe they oh, still really? do. I don't know. Maybe they For still what? do. I don't know. I mean, they I used to before Facebook. With my family, but it's free. They used to do it before Facebook. Bomb. I don't oh, know if they still do that it. Makes sense. Yeah, I think. I, mean, I've, I think I've they literally just. Char- I think they charge you a dollar for the entire year because they know so many people use it. Yeah, and it's possible mm-hmm. Apple could conceivably do something like that. But then, what's? I mean, they already have given up. Uh, and this is a good thing. It was a horrible decision. But when they did the whole, um, you know, we're going to slowly degrade your battery thing, but we're not actually degrading your battery. We're just slowing down your your phone so it matches the natural de- degradation of your battery. Or degradation of the battery. Degradation. Yeah. Thank you. Like when they did that, like they ba- when they finally said, "Oh yeah, we're doing that. We're going to stop now." They basically cut off a whole source of new phone purchases, a whole source of revenue. Because now you can go buy an $80 battery from the Apple Store or whatever, and just that's it. You only buy a $1,000 phone. So I can't see them being like, well, let's take the gamble of making iMessage a dollar and see if people will now go to Pixels and Galaxy Notes and whatever, but pay us a dollar. Because they already have lost one guaranteed stream. Are they willing to do that again? And that's what I'm not sure about. Like I was saying, the other stuff, the subscription stuff, I get because they're like, oh, we're charging you the same as if you're on the iPhone. Like Apple Music's not free to iPhone users. Unless you're on Verizon right. with the right plan, in which case it is like me. But uh, yeah, it's it's not really free to <laughs> to uh, Apple users, and I can't see them just going like, yeah, let's just give up the the. It'd be like Nintendo being like, yeah, we're gonna make the Wii Remote compatible with a PlayStation at the peak. Of the I feel Wii. like I feel like it it still would be kind of like a win win for Apple. Like if they let's say let's say they ported it over to let's say they they allow Android to have iMessage, right? Yeah. Let's say. A dollar. How many people have Android phones across the world? More, like that's than, a huge, more than iPhones. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a huge revenue stream. And not only that, but you're making uh, private communication safer with their end-to-end encryption stuff. Like, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Dieter from The Verge had like a great uh, article on this, on why, not why they should, but why it would like benefit them. Oh, and to, like as a customer, it'd be amazing. Yeah, as a, as yeah. a customer, I'd want them to do it. I'm just thinking from like, and, Tim and Cook's like point and of like view. Our, our buddy, 
our 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 mutual friends, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a huge Google guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we asked them like if if iMessage were to come out on the uh, on Android, would you use it? And he was like, unfortunately, yes. It was like, oh yeah, because that. yeah. because that's how that's just how good iMessage is, you know. Yeah, it is really good. But yeah, I'm just picturing like Tim Cook in his giant ring of an Apple campus at Apple Park, you know, just sitting on his throne in his glass palace there. I can't see him like, I don't know, I just can't see him doing it. But then again, a year ago, it didn't even seem like Apple Music or Apple TV Plus or anything would go to other platforms. Right. But at that point, it almost felt like they had to do that because they weren't in a dominant position. They weren't in the number one spot. They're competing against Spotify. They're competing against Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they are playing catch up by going, okay, yeah, we need to be on as many platforms as possible. I don't I know. I can't believe they tried Apple TV. It's still around, by the Plus. way. It's still around. <laughs> it's yeah. It doesn't have any must watches. That's the weird thing. It has some interesting stuff. Like it says, stuff that makes me go, huh? I guess this is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like and I think Elmo and they put late all... night thing. The Bob's Burgers looking. Well, show. no, no, no. The Elmo thing is on uh, HBO. You're right. You're the thinking Bob's of Burgers the Sesame. Yeah, uh, they're bringing back Fraggle Rock. Pepper Jack love Fraggle Rock. <laughs> but yeah, they're actually they're doing some kind of interesting because Apple, I think, knows like they don't have like they don't have enough for that. Like morning show is supposed to be their big thing for Apple TV Plus, and like it got nominated for Emmys, and it just like never took off. And that was like they put a ton of money into that. Did you know a cast of like Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carell? Like it was a big thing. Um, and they keep trying to like figure out what the next big thing is. Like they got they just uh, bought the rights like Tom Hanks um, World War Two right. movie called Greyhound or something like that, oh. which. Uh, Yes, to his life, no. Uh, which I think is the first movie that Tom Hanks has written as well. Um, but either way, like, they're trying all these different Tom things. Tom Hanks is very bummed out about that. That they bought it? Uh, that it wouldn't get a theatrical release. Oh, yeah, because of COVID, yeah. But at the same yeah. time, he also says if you don't wear a mask, you're an idiot. So wear your mask, people. But um, he said that, I think, like two days ago. But uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like, they keep trying different angles, but it seems like they just can't... They don't have anything, like, sticky. They don't have any, like, watershed thing. It's what I was saying about HBO Max, like, back in, like, the second or third Quarantine Chronicles. Like, H- like Apple TV+, Plus, much like HBO, doesn't have, like, the must-watch thing ready to go. Like, they don't have a Mandalorian. They don't have what was a House of Cards and Origins of the New Black. They don't have a, um, like, Handmaid's Tale. Like, there's not, a like, a prestige... You gotta... They tried Morning Show, but there's not, like, a... You have to watch this either as a, like zeitgeisty super pop culture moment with the Mandalorian or some sort of super prestige thing like Netflix and Hulu started with. So they're kind of stuck. Which makes it interesting that they're doing the Fraggle Rock thing because they, they bought the rights to Fraggle Rock and they're making new ones. I think they're already up there. But they also bought the back catalog and are adding it to Apple TV. So the service that originally was only going to be brand new original content is now starting to like revive IPs and then take the old content of the IP and integrate it in. So it's still like original. Yeah, because they're also doing amazing stories, right? Yes, they are. I would not be surprised if they bring that. Uh, Not yet, no. But I would not be surprised if they bring back the old amazing stories from, I guess it was was Netflix, Angel, that we watched it on. Yeah, Netflix. We It's Spielberg thing. Yeah, it's so funny they brought that back because we like. They're just a kid-friendly Twilight zone episode. Yeah, but we had a weird kick where we went through them, like, you mean and Elvis, like, uh, four years ago, five years ago, maybe six at this point? And they're just so, yeah. like, bizarre and absurd and kind of dumb <laughs> that, that you know, we'd watch them kind of tongue-in-cheek, and then Apple, when they announced Apple TV+, Plus, is like, we're bringing back amazing stories, and I remember you and me being like, you're what now? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> so, yeah. But, 
Anyway, that was a long tangent. Sorry. Once you get oh, yeah. to talk about Apple, I just, I just love nerding out about Apple. That's another thing. If I go to PC, how do I nerd out about Apple in the same way? You're still able to. I feel like I, I consume I mean, a lot of Apple news for sure. Yeah. Well, you're, mean, you're on you iOS Jason 14, with you? two words. Nintendo and Apple. Yep. Yeah. That's literally his character. And if we if we had a third a third word, it'd probably be Foursquare. Uh, fourth and fifth <laughs> yeah. would be like Twitter and. No, I would say Twitter before Foursquare. Honestly. Oh no no. Yeah. Every single time that we go out anywhere, hold on, every I gotta check breathing, in. <laughs> every single breathing moment, I don't on Twitter. <laughs> before we before we even walk into wherever we're going, he stops us. Hold on, guys. Oh, oh no, I'm better in. about that now. I'm much better about that. I used to do that, but now I do it so subtly that people don't even mm, notice. Now when we're in event situations like Comic Con and stuff. Oh, that's different. Yeah, no. What, dude? When we're at Comic Con, I become like a super vocal. I need to be on social media, and I'm like, what should I tweet? And oh, what's this Instagram? And like, <laughs> can when you guys come with me to this restaurant so I can get the Wi-Fi so that I could upload this picture? That has happened at least three times. <laughs> Not gonna lie. But to your point, I am in two words: Nintendo and Apple. I'm literally wearing a Nintendo T-shirt and my Apple Watch right now, so I am. You are the fan. subtle. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a, a good chunk of time right there. That was already it wasn't even on our already agenda. killed what like a sixth of the killed. You mean spent in an enjoyable manner? That list killed, will... destroyed, <laughs> obliterated, decimated. Do you know the actual definition of decimate? No, what is it? So I think it's to get rid of one tenth of. Well, like I always thought it. Time. I always Death thought it. it meant like like obliterate, completely like destroy. just yeah. completely destroyed. But it's like nope, you're just getting rid of one tenth. So we did not decimate. Yeah, so we did. We didn't decimate that yet. There's a little more. So I, I used like it wrong, just like everybody. Strong else. word though. It does sound. Like, right? it's, got, it's got like a nice crunch like to it. He, right? Yeah, like what? he was decimated. It's like obliterated, but I feel like huh. obliterated sounds like the better word. But decimated still I, sounds cool. Wait, yeah, this is kind of disappointing. I wow, is your whole world upended? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It kind of sucks. I'm sorry. I, I always thought that was a more powerful word. Now it's like you got, yeah. It'd be like the equivalent, like if I um, hmm. I don't know. It's like I guess Jason would say. I guess that means Jason could say like, "Oh, I decimated." I decimate all my like, games. Yeah, like Jason <laughs> decimated like Super Mario Odyssey. Like it sounds like he did something good, but he well, probably did on. only decimate. I like it. triple. He, he just got like one tenth I... of triple decimated odyssey i think i got no more i got you like half i decimate how times did five. you get did I'm you not finish sure odyssey no i don't if you only got that, i know i you, got more than half you, i'm well past i don't remember where you I got am. past new dunk city yeah i'm I'm like two worlds beyond it i think i'm at like the soda world no is that thing i'm gonna replay odyssey, odyssey. If, if you're talking about stung. the lunch if you're talking about the luncheon kingdom i think that's before new donk city well i beat new donk yeah, city so I, so I must not be thinking of luncheon maybe i think you have the polygonal one i don't know i got pretty which is also a luncheon kingdom <laughs> oh well no i definitely beat new donk fully and then some hmm. i did the big forest i did like all the others a lot of others Interesting. i'll look sometime yeah please do but i could tell you i definitely did more than decimate mario odyssey hmm all right. Did you decimate? Oh wait, why are we talking about Nintendo? Who cares about that? Yeah, yeah wrong this show, is, dude. This is, this is the wrong show. Although, wrong I, show. that being said, I, I do want to get back to Odyssey. What a stunning game. Anyways, let's get to the <laughs> meat and potatoes of uh, Quarantine Chronicles here. Oh, I am officially on quarantine leave, so oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes this safe podcast relevant. even but more I'm... relevant. Stay safe, is what I said. Or oh, healthy, thanks, or... but but I I, th- I think I'll, I'm gonna be just fine. Like the guy at work who. Who set off this this uh, chain of events? Like for all we know, he doesn't even have mm. have Corona. So I don't know. We'll see. 
like your I said, survival will be long. And uh, your death be swift. Hey, we're going to be talking about Last of Us uh, at the end of today's podcast. But for right now, <laughs> I want to bring up what we've been watching. We've been watching a lot of stuff, not together, but there are some mutual interests there. So I've been watching What We Do in the Shadows. Do either of you know what what we do in the shadows originally was? Every time I hear the title, I keep thinking it's something Tim Burton related. For some reason, I think it comes from like New Zealand. I don't know why. Am I right? Is that the one where you you um... know you know why? No, I don't actually. Wait, is it a Taika project? Yeah, it's a Taika project. So Ah, for those, (laughs) is that the one with Will Ferrell singing? Nope, that is Eurovision, which I have seen. It exists. It's actually not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so for those for those who don't know, what we do in the shadows is, I guess you would consider it a spinoff of the movie of the same name, which, like the show, is a mockumentary uh, that's directed and starred Taika Waititi, who uh, directed what I think is the best MCU movie, Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like Ragnarok. What we do in the shadows is hilarious, and that movie specifically follows the lives of vampires in the UK. So it's a mockumentary about vampires, and like you think that uh, it'd be so the okay, okay these vampires, man. Uh, <laughs> unlike the movie, which which takes place, wait, does it take place in the UK? No, I think it does take place in New Zealand. Okay, so but not this one falls. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a Taika project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this sh- this show specifically follows a cast of vampires in Staten Island. Which what? is... In- <laughs> yeah, which is... In- <laughs> Alright. So, basically, the show follows four vampires and one human characters. The the, vampi- the vampires range from classic-style vampires, you know, with, like, fangs, uh, like, accents. Or, like, what would you think is the, the normal, like, vampire accent? Like, you know, Dracula. Yeah, like like, like the like Transylvania, like I want to yeah, suck that, your blood, sort of. Yeah, yeah. They get they have those kinds of accents. They they suck the blood from people, and they need to be invited into an area before they can walk in, or else they like burst into flames. <laughs> uh, which, which, yeah. So these aren't these aren't your 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 uh, like was that franchise? Twilight. Yeah, these aren't your Twilight vampires. Uh, so I can play a Mad Lib with you right now. Like you're just giving me all these points. Still, I'm <laughs> they still abide by like classic vampire rules. Or, you know, the generic uh, vampire rules. But where, like, the first spin on vampires comes from is that there's one vampire who is an energy vampire who he looks like a regular human. Like, he just looks like an average Joe and has no accent, just like a regular American. But he feeds off the negative energy of people. So his, his whole thing is, like, he will try to make you sad or depressed and then just feed off that instead of mm-hmm. having to feed off blood. So and then... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's like a perpetual sad boy type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you talk to me and Angel <laughs> and we start, you know, like, uh And then that's how you get your energy, which is pretty much... I, for all we know, you're an energy vampire as well. I, I guess I need to come clean, yeah. Yeah. I am. Uh, so, rounding off the cast is uh, the human character, Guillermo, who is a quote-unquote familiar, who is a person who's almost like a, a tour guide for these vampires, but he's also like their slave, and he's specifically a slave to one of the vampires, Nandor, who he's been helping him out for like 10 years in hopes of becoming a vampire. But man, these vampires, they're not menacing or anything. They're complete idiots. 
<laughs> and that's where a whole bunch of the humor from the show comes comes from. Exactly like if you saw what we do in the shadows of the movie, you'd see that those vampires were also idiots. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's almost like it's the cast of It's Always Sunny, but just not as cruel. You know, they're, they're, it's on FX wo- as well, isn't it? It's yeah, it's also on FX. Hmm. That is what I like about Sunny, though. What? Huh. I guess how cruel it is, or just how unapologetically bad the people are. But yeah, uh, like like tonally wise, it never feels mean spirited. Like it's always Sunny or like The Office, because The Office can get pretty mean spirited. Mm-hmm. It's much closer in tone to like Parks and Recreation. Oh, okay, you got my attention. Yeah, and and it has that uh, that mockumentary style as well. Right. But just like the cast of Parks, these guys are always getting in ridiculous situations. Like. They're trying to convince the mayor of Staten Island to let them take over Staten Island because they have like a boss that uh, demanded the group to start taking over Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like aside from that, oh, also just like Parks, they start beefing with uh, like another faction. You know how they are always beefing with uh, what's Eagle- Pawnee's Eagleton? Eagleton, yeah, Eagleton. Uh, these guys start beefing with werewolves, which leads <laughs> to like one of the funniest scenes that I've seen from the, the first season. One of the vampires gets captured by animal shelter while they're in their bat form, and so the other guys have to break them out of an animal shelter. <laughs> oh, it's it's such a ridiculously funny show. There are some jokes at the expense of of the human character Guillermo, but like I said, it never gets mean spirited. So it's like it's like Jerry on Parks. Although those get mean spirited, uh, actually. Nah, yeah, those get pretty, those get pretty mean. Yeah, that back. That's the only mean streak in Parks. Like who who else gets 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 poo-pooed on in that show aside from jerry on parks yeah uh kind it's of usually tom just from time to time like they kind of rolled their eyes at tom and his shenanigans yeah so so i guess yeah. more he's not he's not like i mean he did eccentric replace jerry as tom. when jerry left exactly in that one episode yeah so so i guess yeah guillermo isn't as as uh, eccentric as tom is Mm-hmm. But whatever, like, put-downs that, that they would do for Tom, they do for Guillermo. Like I said, it's, it's never mean-spirited. But, oh, man, the show is so funny. There There is, like, an underlying uh, arc across the first season. And that leads to a great episode later on in the first season that just has a bunch of cameos that range from... That episode has, like, has like ten, at least ten incredibly famous people. But the cameos range from someone as small... I, I guess small is, is kind of a mean word. Uh, but like Kristen, like Kristen Schaal, would you consider her an A-lister? No. <laughs> I don't think I would. I to, <laughs> okay, so, I so, so see, yeah, that's, I, that's why it's hard. No, but like, but, but like yeah. Kristen Schaal is a recognizable like actress, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah so her like voice that is episode, more recognizable than her. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. But yeah, so like that episode has Kristen Schaal, but it also has Tilda Swinton. What? Yeah. That name sounds familiar. The woman that Conan looks like. Or vice versa. The 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 Conan looks like the male version of. That doesn't help, but I recognize oh, okay. the name, I guess. Okay. She uh, was did in, you see um, Doctor Strange? Mm, yes. So Mystic Doctor lady. Strange's like Love Interest? No. no uh, his lady. teacher. Like, the, yeah, the the bald lady? Oh, her? Yeah. She yeah. looks like Conan? When she has hair, she has very similar orange hair. And when Conan was younger, they looked they used to look pretty similar, and he would constantly comment on it in his oh. typical fashion. And he wants right. he wants her to play him in the late shift. If uh, yes, the late shift too. If that ever happens, did you ever if see the late happens. shift? The, the I did not. Weirdly, considering how big of a fan I am of like the late night scene. 
That was what? That was Jay Leno and, Leno and Letterman. David Letterman? Yeah, in like 1992 or so. Yeah. Oh, man, I wasn't huh. even born. You guys were there. <laughs> yeah, I was only a couple of years old. I was three. Oh, man, you guys are old. Yeah, it's true. Just <laughs> oh, one, one of my favorite, uh, just Jason, one of, my, one of my favorite little things about this show is that it is a mockumentary, but one of the vampires accidentally kills one of the audio engineers during an episode so like the sound is off and the the vampires are very apologetic to, to like the crew it like these guys these guys very much well is there I, hold on is there hmm. a fourth wall in mockumentary shows i mean on some level if, if you think about yeah in a way they look directly at the not, camera yeah but that's because they are being filmed and they know it so it's not like it, that's it, true I feel like it takes away mm. it, it takes away some of the fourth wall breaking when that is the intention that they are being filmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not supposed to be there and they're actually like, I don't know. Well, no, because the fourth I mean, wall like, is just the audience ultimately. So if they're playing to the audience, whether the audience is on the other side of the camera or not, they're still playing to the audience. Because the idea of the fourth wall is, you know, you have the three walls of the stage and then the fourth is the crowd. So, right? So it would still be the I'm, fourth wall. No, no, it? yeah. Well, no, they are. But usually the fourth wall implies that it's like they know their characters in the show, or they know that the story is kind of going in that direction. But they, it's just kind of, but it's kind of weird when I feel like it's some weird in between. Yeah, I guess it's it kind like, of is because I always thought the fourth wall was just like a wink and a nod that like they're aware of the situation they're in being something that's being watched, being televised. Yeah, which or being you know whatever. Or yeah, they're oh, yeah, in on the joke. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I mean, the easiest way to put it is like it's not. The same as Deadpool. Let's put it that way. No, yeah, it's not the same as Deadpool. Yeah, where they're they're not they're not. Yeah, but I guess it's just different degrees of fourth wall. Because like with Deadpool, it, it's very it, it's you can be fourth wall and not be meta. I guess is what I'm saying. Deadpool's meta. Like it's self referencing. Mm-hmm. It's referencing its own progression and all that. While like fourth wall, just acknowledging there's someone there. Right. At least that's how I've always viewed it. Because fourth wall and meta usually are very intertwined, but not necessarily. And I think that's where the break is, kind of. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it also depends on whether you consider a joke like, it's like, oh man, we've been through this already a bunch of times, and they're just referring to the fact that they've done the same premise for an episode like almost every other season or something like that. Right. I mean, that is kind of breaking the fourth wall, but you know. Yeah, yeah. see, to me, that's a little more on the meta side than the fourth wall side. Because we could say, we've been through this a bunch of times when we end up at the same restaurant, not remember, like, oh, you know, like deja vu is essentially that. So that's oh, more yeah. self-referencing in my mind than fourth wall, but it is also a little fourth wall because they're acknowledging that like you've seen this before. So yeah, you're you're right, Angel. It's complicated. Or like every time Jim, I guess, looks at the camera, but he's just looking at the cameraman. But he's looking at the cameraman, knowing that he's there's an audience watching, which is the cameraman and his camera. It's my. I know. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's very. It's, to both. It's, it's delicate. <laughs> the easiest answer, Kevin, is yes and no. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so I mean, the cast in in the show interact with the camera crew a lot the the camera crew doesn't necessarily ever talk back to them like that weird arc I mean, in the later I'll, seasons of the office yeah that was weird uh, i didn't I, like I mean, that. All, all, i mean all i say that all it all that does is give the characters a reason to look at the camera without it coming off as like cheesy or being like oh exactly. like, that's a little too on the nose yeah so it kind of lets them get away with breaking the fourth wall that way without it coming off as you know yeah like and that's, and that's honestly something i didn't really like about the later it's, seasons it's an, of the office yeah. was like it felt like the, it felt like the camera was just the conduit to us, and then suddenly it wasn't anymore. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, why are these now characters instead of just us? Like, it was weird. You know what I mean? Like when they started interacting with the crew directly and stuff. 
Like yeah. it kind of worked, but kind of I don't know. Something about it just felt like it was like that felt like it was breaking like a fifth wall or something. I don't know. It just it, felt weird. It was, <laughs> it was also really weird to then see that because it was the boom the boom mic guy. Yeah. Oh, that was hitting on Pam or something. Yeah. Who yeah. was like who like I guess slowly fell in love with Pam throughout the recording of the show, but uh, it was weird to then see that guy who seemed like a like a kind natured guy on the office to just a total douchebag in what season two of Silicon Valley. Oh yeah, yep. the 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 three commas guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, I gotta I gotta rewatch Silicon Valley, man. I, Good show. I never it, finished it, it. It definitely starts spinning its wheels, but it was enjoyable throughout. I'd say. So back back to what we do in the shadows. I man, I really hope that the show doesn't crap the bed in season two. That'd be such a heartbreak. But mm. luckily, I've heard great things about season two. I think it just finished maybe about a month ago, so I can't wait to 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 like binge that. And this show is so funny, like. I was I was having it on my, like my second monitor while I was like playing video games. I would have to stop and usually that kind of stuff I'll have to like pause the show or the podcast to like focus on the game. I was way more interested in watching the show <laughs> than I was in playing the game. So I'd actively pause the game, go back a couple of minutes to see the joke and oh it's so funny. I I really think that you guys should should check it out. Yes, I'm mean, actually check it out. Yeah, I like Taika stuff a lot. So yeah, like I like, like Jojo Rab- stuff, like I like Jojo Mike. Rabbit a lot. I like Thor Ragnarok a lot. So I feel yeah. like I should. Did we? Oh no, it was it wasn't with you, but yeah, I met Taika at a screening of uh, Ragnarok at the IMAX HQ in in. Wait, what? Uh, when was yeah, this? Uh, after I, or before it came out? Uh, after it came out, maybe about three weeks afterwards. That's really cool, uh, especially considering how much you love the movie. Yeah, man, Thor Ragnarok is probably my favorite MCU movie. But um, yeah, and then he did Q and A Q&A after the after the screening. He it was a it was a thing with Collider that they were doing. Oh, the Collider series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, I forgot what it was, but I was I was gonna go to one of those, but then something came up. Like I think they overbooked it or something, and they sent out mm-hmm. emails like just kidding. But I forgot who it was. But it was like yeah, they do some great ones. That's the beauty of living in LA when it's not coronavirus. Is like there's so many cool events with the industry to go to. And, like, so many opportunities to, like, meet people. Like, Angel, you and I met uh, Guillermo del Toro at a screening in a similar fashion. Like, that was cool. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've also met Guillermo del Toro. I uh, at a, saw him at, at a con- screening of uh, Scott Pilgrim for the Blu-ray release. Okay, that's the most oh, random met, string of a uh, sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> what was he doing yeah, there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, it was the Blu-ray release of, of Scott Pilgrim. Guillermo del Toro was, was, was hosting the panel, which was... Was it? It was Edgar Wright, Michael Sarah, and someone else. I keep forgetting who it was. I don't remember if it was cool. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but but yeah. Afterwards, I got a picture with Michael Sarah. Uh, I think I got a picture with Edgar Wright, and then Matthew, uh, a friend of ours, got a picture mm-hmm. with uh, Guillermo. I kind of wish Michael Sarah's career didn't just fizzle. Like I know he was typecast, and that's why. But like he was my like spirit animal in a way. Like I felt so much like him, like, especially after Superbad. Like it was like one to one, and that's not necessarily a good thing to be like, oh, I'm like that Michael Sarah character. But like, especially just, after Superbad, what did you yeah. watch him in before? Oh yeah, Arrested. Yeah, 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 Arrested. But um, yeah, like especially after Superbad, because he he literally like the final scene of Superbad, which is one of my all time favorite movies. They filmed it like right down the street from here in Culver City at this mall that I knew like really well and he was wearing almost identical to what I was wearing when I went to see the movie and I had no idea that was gonna happen and like I got out of the movie I'm just like wait a minute I, I am the Michael Sarah. I had some of the awkward tendency everything I was just like ah this is and then I kept seeing him like getting bigger and bigger things like oh this is kinda cool okay and then he just like disappeared <laughs> but uh, he's still doing like smaller stuff he was in yeah, he uh, 
He was in that one Aaron Sorkin movie a couple years ago. Molly's Game? Oh, that's right. I still need to see that. I totally forgot. Yeah, I still need to see that, too. Yeah, he, he was love, in that. I apparently. normally, I feel bad. I mean, like, I love Sorkin stuff and then not seeing the last one. But I do really like, like, I thought, I'm one of the few people that actually really liked Newsroom, even though it was super cheesy at times. And, like, I, I thought his Steve Jobs movie was good, which I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's like a three-act play. This is weird, but I really liked it. Um, Social Network. Social Network's one of my, yeah, another one of my the, favorite. Yeah, another one of my favorites. Decade or two. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron Sorkin, what we do in the shadows. <laughs> there's absolutely no correlation in there, but yep. Uh, but you, you brought it all back but, uh, around. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And my and my smoothest of uh, of transitions. Yeah. I, I, what we do in the shadows. Great show. I can't wait to start watching season two. Yeah. That's all I got for that. Angel, close you want to talk about close enough? Yeah. So oh, close enough, man. This show. I have been waiting for the show since like 2017. Like this show was announced not that long after regular show ended, which is a show by J.G. Quintel, which, like, me and my brother, my brother, yeah, well, grammar, whatever. I was going to say me and my brother and my friend, but, you know, you should say my brother, my friend, and I, that we've been watching, like, pretty much religiously since um, since it came out. I, honestly, I can't even remember when regular show first aired. It was, like, I want to say 20, around 2009, 2010? Because we were different in college. It was, like, has it been that I think long? it was after Adventure. It's a old it, show. No way. Yeah, because that. Yeah, it's because that show could have sworn it just ended like three years ago. It did, but it, did. it was on for a long time. <laughs> the oh, was the it? show came out. Yeah, two thousand ten to yeah. twenty seventeen. Holy, there we go. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, that was ten years ago that it aired. Yeah, because oh. the the show came out at a very crucial point in Cartoon Network history. It was... Cartoon Network kind of was kind of struggling. Like, in the early 2000s, I felt like a lot of people were living a lot of shows that were on there. I mean, we still had Powerpuff Girls. We still had Dexter's Lab. And there were also some other hits like Billy and Mandy. They were kind of carrying the show. But then at some point, they the shows weren't getting as good. They were experimenting a lot. Maybe a little too much. And then there was a point where they straight up had live-action shows. Like, it that was a, like they were focusing... That was egregious. Yeah, was How dare they? It, it was during their Cartoon Network, like, CN Real. Like, they had shows like Destroy, Build, Destroy, which, you know, just had some very loud dude building stuff. Hey, man, Andrew W., it. you do not call Andrew W.K. a loud dude, okay? I mean, he is, frankly, a very loud dude. But you do... But he parties and, hard. And sure, he can, get, he can get typecast as the loud dude, but you call that man by his name, okay? That is Andrew W.K., a hey, legend. Hey, put yourself in my shoes. A legend. And, like, the okay. nicest hey, dude in the world, apparently, too. The nicest dude in the world, I mean, yeah. He seems like such a down-to-earth sure, guy. Yeah. I'm sure he is, but as someone who would go to Cartoon Network, as someone that loves animation and cartoons, and was being forced to watch this, like, watch this if I wanted forced to. Forced to watch the NUWK go to your house and say, <laughs> hey, man, you're watching this. Also, like, he is a living cartoon character. He's so, like boisterous yeah, and just I, like and animated it was like, it was, literally that show an incredible crew which was i guess like their attempt at a all that or some kind of like sketch comedy show which, and then there was that level up show uh, right yeah was, yeah level oh. up and they also had like something academy was uh, they, they had they, they tried a bunch of different like live action shows and i think someone from incredible crew would go on to voice miles in Spider-Verse, and I believe it's the same person that played the main character in Dope. I could be yeah, mistaken. it is. I'm uh, forgetting his name, but yes, it's the guy from Dope. Dope's a good movie. Shamik Moore. Dope has one yeah. of my one of my favorite lines of any movies. 
Hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh no, but yeah, I I, I love that movie. Wait, what was the line? That you can't leave us hanging. Or you are you can you not say it? Um, <laughs> no, if, no if, I, it's it was it was when uh, I think it's a voiceover that Shamik Moore does. It's like, oh yeah, he says something along the lines of like, I'm a I'm a black kid, but I love white people stuff. And then he's like, he says he says a couple of lines. Uh-huh. Or, or he says that I'm into things that white people are into, even though I'm black, like Game of Thrones, uh, some other thing. And then he says Donald Glover at the end, oh, yeah. like, like <laughs> implying that implying that Donald Glover is a, is a thing that only white people love. Yeah, um, well, there's um, a whole like undercurrent of that when Glover first started. I remember, and he even rapped about it back at that time because he, you know, he's like rapping Smash Bros references and Pokemon references yeah. and like yeah, so. Anyway, we're getting way off tangent. Dope is a good, good yeah. movie, though. Dope's a, Dope's a good movie. So, yeah. so there are like some notable figures that you know had a part in this live action part of history of Cartoon Network, and obviously it didn't work out. Like at one point, it just kind of fizzled out, and it was a failed experiment. But I mean, I will commend them for trying. You know, like putting live action shows in a network called Cartoon Network is definitely kind of ballsy. But I don't know. I guess something was failing. But point is, around 2010. Um, Adventure Time came out and that kind of blew up and it kind of gave Cartoon Network the fire they needed and they started experimenting with some other shows and one of those was a regular show and that one really clicked with our group just because the main characters even though there were a Blue Jay and a Raccoon they were our age they were like in their early 20s actually and in fact um, those characters are in the show they were 23 and I think 21 or 22 respectively and they're pretty much people that just, like, got out of high school. They didn't really have a job. They kind of didn't really know what they wanted to do with their life. They were just kind of getting through, and the plots were, like, super ridiculous and all over the place. But they always started with a very simple premise, and it almost always revolved around something that we could easily relate to or something that we grew up with. Because the main character very much puts himself and writes the stories based on his experiences, because he is literally our age. And so you have a lot of episodes based around Nintendo. They literally have like a Shigeru Miyamoto figure. I think they call him Morimoto. Um, I mean, they have like episodes based on like the King of Kong, the documentary about the guy, Steve Weeb, and I forgot the other dude's name, the villain. Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell, yeah. The also guy with another the great movie. Flag tie. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they have episodes based around that. Like it's very much aimed at us. And like at my age group and the fact also is that he wasn't writing it for kids like he pretty much like wrote it for adults but with all the filters that come with trying to write trying to make it safe for network for kids so you know like instead of drinking beer they would just drink a lot of soda or eat a bunch of hot wings and they were clearly drunk from eating a lot of hot wings and soda (laughs) but they were played it off as just like oh like i had way too many hot wings they pretty much had a hangover or they wouldn't remember what happened the night before because they partied way too hard with, you know, chili wings and whatever. And, you know, things will, to give you an idea, like a show may start with like them playing too much rock, paper, scissors, and then it kind of escalates to like they played it way too many times and they have to play with the rock, paper, scissors lord. And it, it's, <laughs> it's one of the shows that is really ridiculous to explain. But yeah, it's, it escalates really quickly and regular show i mean and close enough pretty much feels exactly like that except without the filter like now they actually can say whatever they want and do whatever they want and in a way i kind of really like the cleverness of them getting around just not having to say you know like curse words or 
you know, or just like show explicit stuff and just kind of to circumvent and just imply it, which sometimes made it funnier because it's like, oh, we know what they're getting at. They just can't do it. So they're human and characters not... in this, right? It's yeah, a, they're all. It's a family, isn't so it? It's like. Yeah, the, yeah. the main character is literally J.G. Quintel. He even looks like him, except he's mm-hmm. a game designer in this show. And, you know, that's also just his normal voice, which was also the voice of Mordecai, the main character of regular show. But in this show, instead of being too, I guess you could call them like at the beginning, like losers that didn't know what to do, that, that just worked at a park and just kind of barely made ends meet. They weren't re- financially responsible, except towards the end where, you know, they kind of grow up and they figure out what they want to do and they form a life and it kind of ends like that this one is the character is already married and they have a kid but they're also just kind of getting by the main character is 31 because you know that's how old he is and that's kind of how old we are at least me and jason yep wait i'm not 31 yet I'm so you, young. hey you will be um, soon <laughs> so again soon. it's kind of like like oh it's like literally our age group and you know he's they're just trying to get by with their house they're living with another couple that is divorced because you know just to the rent and stuff and the plots seem to kind of escalate in the same way that they do in regular show like in enough they've only they've only released one episode which is made out of two 11 minute episodes um for free online on youtube and twitter so that's all i've seen so far and jason i was actually kind of surprised and that i've seen that it sounds really cool that he actually said it at a drive-thru like that's yeah awesome. yeah they uh i mean we'll let you talk about it a bit more if there's more you want to say but yeah they um i went to a drive-in uh, a pop-up drive-in at the Rose Bowl to see Palm Springs, which I'll talk about in a minute here. But they, before the movie, doors open at four, movie was at five, and they were screening two full episodes of Close Enough. And yeah, I did not, like, I recognized the art style immediately, but I didn't really know that, you know, all the backstory that you gave. And I never really watched regular show that much, which now that you mentioned the MMO reference, I'm like, how did I not? But um, yeah, it was, I thought it was pretty good. It, it had like, it kind of had like a weird, almost like Black Mirror vibe to it. Like one of the episodes is, um, without really saying too much, is uh, the the wife of J.C. Quintel's, J.C. Quintel's character goes um, to an open house and is like, oh, this is kind of a nice refuge and decides to stay there. And it gets kind of weird and suddenly she's like in a sitcom and is like uh, stuck in the sitcom. That house being the, <laughs> so the, house, the that full house house. The park from regular show. Oh, is it? And it, 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 the whole thing's a riff on Full House in terms of the sitcom. But, um, and the whole thing just, it gets kind of like demented and weird and black mirror-y, but in like a cartoony way, which is, it's kind of interesting. It's like, you could tell yeah, that, it, um, it, HBO Max like, just let him run wild with it, basically. Yeah, it's very much lighthearted, but it's also, I mean, it get, it can get dark, but even in regular show, like, it never gets to the point where it's like, oh man, this is deep. It's just more, it, it, it's very self-referential. There, I mean, I guess not self-referential. It, I guess it gets real, but in a funny way. Like, they... Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it's interesting. But well, also, like, like the other episode, like, literally, it's just them. They go to... I guess they go to their kid's school. They have to make a quilt. So they're just trying to get threads, and somehow they get involved with these British kids that end up being old people that they have to run away from. And, yeah, it's It's, it's also kind of... It's very much, like... Like I was saying, Black Mirror, but the more I think about it, it's kind of it kind of has a, a Rick and Morty vibe, where like it's a simple thing that then somehow escalates into something totally absurd, but then de-escalates back to but with some sort of like human connection in the process. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. like well that happened. Yeah, which is but then they like come out the, of it like better. <laughs> yeah, which is literally like the exact same type of humor from regular show, and the and like Jason pointed out, like it's the exact same art style. So mm-hmm. if you love regular show or 
at least found yourself enjoying some episodes and you'll probably you'll definitely enjoy this and i mean you... it's literally cut from the same cloth and i wouldn't be surprised if you might even have like the character's cameo because it's still produced by cartoon network like at the end of the show you still have the cartoon network studios bumper that a bunch of shows have mm. and i don't know if if the show was literally delayed in production because it was supposed to come out years ago and then it was supposed to come out in tbs sometime last year or two years ago because i remember going to comic-con and we saw we met jg quintel and we got to talk to him about it and he was just like oh man like this show like i just wanted to come out but so i don't know if that meant that it was already done so maybe some things will be dated in there or if it just kind of pushed off production and they finally got the ball rolling with hbo max but yeah so i think that's what happened uh, once the hbo max i, I think he talked yeah. about an ama that uh once HBO Max became a thing, it sort of, it didn't delay production. I think they had to go through, like, all the legal hoops of, you know, the, the bureaucratic stuff to, to see where the show was going to have to end up on. And it's so weird, because, like, it's all one company. At this point, it's all AT&T. Warner, Cartoon Network, Warner, TBS, yeah. all of it. But they still, like, the problem with these sorts of crazy mergers is it, and all these subdivisions is you still have to jump through hoops. I feel really bad for him, because, like... I, this show would not have aired on Cartoon Network as it is now. There's no doubt in my mind that it would have been Adult Swim at best. Um, and then, oh, no, well, pro- I mean, well, they were they were never planning on airing it on Cartoon Network. Oh yeah, yeah. But day. I mean, like, yeah. so that was never. But, a thing. Yeah, but Cart- so best, Cartoon yeah. Network's producing it because he has a contract with them, probably. And then Warner's like, well, what else is in our stable? Well, we could put it on TBS. We're trying to do more American comedy there. We got American Dads now exclusive to it. Let's try that. And then they start doing that. And then probably from higher up, an AT and T executive, hey, 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 we're getting it. I don't know why their exec is Fat Albert, but it is. Uh, we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, we're you know we're gonna do a streaming service and compete with netflix so we want a few shows from each of you bring it forward and they're probably like well we haven't actually promoted this yet so let's just scoot it over so it's like a whole rigmarole yeah. so it probably sucks for him because like he's probably getting pulled every which way like once a month like oh now you're over here okay now you're over there oh, actually you're gonna be over here and with each move comes different standards of um content expectations in terms of uh, you know, age range, like, you know, what he can get away with on the show and what they expect to be in line with the brand of the network and all that stuff. So it probably was awful, I would guess, to go through that. Yeah. But I mean, but it's not it, like it he came was out able well. to do what came he wanted. Well. I mean, it's literally regular show unchained. And I mean, as someone who like really, really loved regular show along with like my brother and my friend, like we literally went to the premiere of regular show, the movie, like at a screening in somewhere in downtown LA, like even though it was, kind of in an inconvenient spot but yeah so like i would this is like a show that i would definitely want to like i'm gonna get the i think i since i haven't got an hbo max or anything i think i get like one free week like a friend of mine did that to watch a bunch of ghibli movies mm-hmm. which is awesome but i think i'm gonna use that to try to just binge this whole show oh um, i got you i got if, you bro I'll, I'll give you my password oh damn even better but yeah like Piracy i on record ooh <laughs> hey, it still supports the show because if he know, probably kidding, wouldn't have I'm watched kidding. it, at least they know it's getting watched. I'm I mean, kidding. I'd rather, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I'd rather do that or, like, you know, use my free trial or something because it's the kind of, since I really want to support the show, I don't want to just go on some website and watch it. Like, I would still want to, like, if there's a Blu ray, like, I'll definitely buy it. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out. I'm sure I'm going to like it, but <laughs> I'd, I'll probably come back, like, two weeks from now and just be like, Yep, it was worth it, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Because <laughs> there's really not much more to say at this point. You know, right. it's gonna get crazy and weird, but right, yeah. I am curious if Happy it if it holds finally, up yeah. for all eight, like if it stays as crazy and weird as you want it to be. Yeah, the thing is, like regular show, 
Because Vegas Show was episodic. Vegas Show was episodic. Like, you don't really have to... There wasn't really an overarching story until the later seasons where it kind of did become episodic. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, story-driven, but not too much. Like, there Serialized. were overarching plots. So, I don't know. I'm sure this one will kind of start the same way. The first few seasons might be not really connected, and then maybe towards the end, you know, everything has to come together, or there'll have to be some big change or something. But we'll see. We will see. <sighs> that sigh. What was that sigh? Oh, a long wait. <laughs> no, just like, just like, finally. Yeah, we're home. You made it. Well, what I was, what I was, what I was saying is like, is like, it's great that it's finally out, but it, it's even better that, like, the cherry on top is that it's also good. From the sounds mm-hmm. of it, yeah, that'd be the worst. I just hope it gets when something. I just hope it gets passed around and people actually watch it. Has it uh, gone picked up for season two yet? Yeah, has it? I don't know. So I know um, a lot of shows now would just get picked up before yeah, the first usually we would know out. by now yeah because that's the double-edged sword of streaming is on the one hand um you know they can make stuff that's more niche and then they can renew it faster because you know it's cheaper to make it doesn't they don't have to like promote it they store it on a streaming service but on the flip side of that they don't promote it no one watches it and it'll get those two seasons yeah. and just disappear forever <laughs> so i, I honestly don't not. know how the average person would react though either like stick around for the uh, the sticker around for the ride and be like oh that's pretty funny or they'll be like yeah this is kind of stupid and just not watch it. So, Anecdotally, it was winning people over at the drive-in, from what I could tell. Oh. Yeah. Let's, talk, let's talk about your driving experience. Yeah, so before, yeah. it's funny because his whole build-up into, um, into you know, what Close Enough is and how it started with his fandom or something else is kind of why I went to the drive-in because I saw Palm Springs, which is a Lonely Island production, and I love the guys at Lonely Island, All so right, I'm going to probably something similar. But, yeah, the drive-in, the drive-in. That was interesting. That. Yeah, no, that was interesting. So... The drive-in um, – so what they did is there's already one or two in L.A. proper. You you'd think there'd be more considering we're a car city, but I guess drive-ins have kind of wilted on the vine over the years. But anyway, so what they did is they put a giant LED screen that is bright enough to see almost perfectly fine except in when it's a totally dark scene in daylight. So the screening I went to is actually at 5 p.m., and they put this huge screen in the parking lot of the Rose Bowl over in Pasadena, and they made it like – a thing like it was an event like so tribeca film fest is the one doing this they have it at four major uh places around the country like at&t stadium down in texas the rose bowl here etc and then they also teamed up with walmart and they're doing the same curated playlist of movies in like thousands of walmart parking lots which much with uh, much smaller led screens but this screen was massive first of all but what's cool is they're so they're curating a list of movies and uh, most of them are actually like summer classics old and new so we're talking yeah it's fine we were talking about super bad before that was one of them the dark knights one of them um and then they go back to like jaws and et and it's like a whole range and i think the website's like tribeca drive-in.com or something for anyone who wants to see if there's one near them but what's cool is when you go it's like it almost feels like a brand activation sort of like like they try and make it a, a real event so you go you pay 25 bucks per car and that's it you can have a memory however many people you want in the car so really it's the equivalent of getting you know two movie tickets um, but when you get there, they, they obviously have it synced up with the radio, but you can also sync it up with um, a app on your – or a website on your phone and just use Bluetooth in your car. So there's multiple ways to listen. And they also have concessions set up in a way where you don't even need to interact with anyone really. They're, they give you a piece of paper that has instructions on how you basically text a number. They send you a menu. You look at the menu, and then you just walk over to a stand and grab your food. So you don't have to like be near anyone. You don't have to do anything. They just – Prepare it, put it in a bag, leave it there, and then you go get it. So like Can all this just steal your steal your food. 
Well, I mean, that's true of any pickup restaurant, you know, takeout right now. Is they true. Put like, it down I'm always worried. I'm always worried that they're going to take my, like, burrito when I order at Chipotle. Because well, they, cause they, just, they just have them, like, a, in, like, racks. Yeah, on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, like, you just got to trust. And, like, no one ever stops trust, you man. either. Trust. I'll go in, grab my bag, and just bounce, like, and no one will say anything. I think it's at this like, point, the, the health and safety concerns trump the fear of theft. So Chipotle, these guys that's driving, whatever, will take the hit of potentially someone stealing one every so often in the name of making people actually want to come in and buy it. So, because yeah, I, I've you noticed should try that too. one day. Just walk into a Chipotle and then just grab a random bag and then just walk, just back walk and be like, out. See, it was that easy. And Kevin, homework like, assignment for next episode. Try it. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> but um, Jesus be Christ. No. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so they have the concession stuff. But what's also kind of cool is because it feels like an event, they did like stuff. So we get there and they had a blue carpet photo op. This is real. You drive your car. AT&T sponsored it. It's only at the big location. So Rose Bowl, AT&T Stadium, et cetera. But you drive your car onto a step and repeat blue carpet and it's wide enough for the car. And then they have a photo op with like fake paparazzi sound effects. And you stay in the car and you take the picture and then you drive off the red carpet and then they give you like all this free stuff. Blue carpet. Yeah, or blue carpet. Yeah, so they gave us like these really nice tote bags that were like branded with the drive-in, the Tribeca drive-in. They gave us like these fleece blankets, um, and they give you one for every person in the car. So we have like, well, I guess there's just two of us, but we have like two tote bags and two blankets. And then we drive a few feet further, and Heineken's standing there, and they're like, "Hey, do you guys want to try Heineken uh, alcohol-free, zero percent alcohol, whatever they call it?" And we we're like, "Well, why not? No, <laughs> we don't, but we will anyway." And they gave us like, all right, great. Here's a six pack to enjoy now, and here's a six pack to take home for your own movie night. We're like, what? Why are they giving us so much stuff? So we have like twelve cans of alcohol-free Heineken. We have these blankets okay. pause, and toast pause, bags. Pause, pause, <laughs> yeah. pause. Did you did you drink them? I've had one. They are terrible. They, you know what's weird about them? This is the second time I've been handed free <laughs> Heineken. Acquired taste. It's no, it's, it's so. This is the second time I've been handed free alcohol-free Heineken. One was one of my coworkers, like it was some Twitter promotion or something, and they just got delivered to the office. So we all tried it in the office from a bottle, and it was awful. Right. This time, I was sitting in a car under the sun in 85-degree heat. The car was black. The Heineken was ice cold. And you know what? It was better. It was in a can, and it was better. Oh, man. I was hoping that you would say, it was still crap. <laughs> no. Like, no. <laughs> it wasn't great. So I don't know what to do with these other – like, so I had – the only re- we've only had there's only been one can drank and that's we had two six packs. Girlfriend tried the first sip, she's like, "Nope," and just handed it to me, and I finished that one. And I don't Smart. know what to do with the other eleven ones. <laughs> like they're just in throw, my car. Throw them away. We have we have like two twenty four packs in our office at work that are that have just been sitting there since Rolling Loud last year. <laughs> uh, so like Dece- so they've been sitting there since December, and like we tried we tried one as soon as we got them. And they're like, "Nope," and then every now and then. Me and my coworkers will just look at each other and like we'll dare each other to drink them because they are so terrible. They're probably expired by now. It's it's so disgusting. I don't. They weren't I mean, like when they're ice cold. Gets, they're not that bad. Even then, though, like I don't know who would drink like Budweiser, Coors, Heineken, like any just generic beer flavor just for the beer taste. I yeah. mean, I'm sure there's people out there, but I yeah, think me being one of them. That beer flavor. I, I, I enjoy disgusting. a, a Michelob Ultra. I love me a shock top, but that's because it's citrusy. I mean, that sounds. More fancy than yeah. No, some people just like that beer pong beer. 
Like, I don't think I would ever drink the beer pong beer just for... What is funny is I'm so used to beer equaling drinking that, like, I drank the can and I was like, I feel like I have a placebo buzz. Like, I clearly do not. It has no alcohol, though they still made us show ID to grab it, which was kind of... Or to give it to us, which was kind of funny. But um, It tastes like apple cider that's been out in the sun way too long. See, to me, it tasted like Heineken. Like, have you had normal Heineken, like, with alcohol? It tastes surprisingly similar. Well, Which I mean, means, but then again, I'm thing. not the biggest fan of regular Heineken either because it does kind of taste like apple cider left in the uh, sun. I, I, like, I, like, I like regular Heineken. It's... But yeah, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, I wasn't drinking regularly. But anyway, point is, so we're you know we're driving through the I'm drive. I'm a rolling rock kind of guy. Oh, are you? I've never heard you once no. reference it before. Now <laughs> we're just googling beers on it... the side. <laughs> no, I tried it once at college, and that was it. I'm more of a natty light type of guy. No, God no. Uh, but. Keystone. I'm more of a Kirkland light kind of guy. I'm more of that Kirkland vodka. That, that good that good Costco <laughs> beer where where you yep. can get get sixty beers for twelve dollars. <laughs> Milwaukee's best is where it's at. Oh. <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon. PBR guys, PBR. Hey, PBR's but, fine, okay. I'm, yeah, it's actually, yeah, actually went it's up actually now. I, was, like, I know really... I am going up. Um but anyway, yeah, so point is so you you know you go into the drive-thru and you do all these things and then you park and they have you space six feet and everything has the health and safety precautions so when they give you stuff to wearing gloves it's in plastic or paper or whatever they have at&t reps walking around giving out free hand uh, hand sanitizer and then you sit there and before the movie they show two episodes of close enough which was kind of cool i think i looked it up i think they actually do other hbo max shows for other screenings so Palm is this owned is basically by a R-rated. company or something no it's just a, a branding partnership um, basically, like, you know when you go to Comic-Con or any event, how they have all these brands that sponsor and do, like, all these activations? It was that inside the drive-in, which made it kind of cool. Weird because, it felt like an event. It was cool. It's weird because because Close Enough is oh, is owned by, like, a uh, Warner yeah. conglomerate. But isn't Palm Springs Hulu? Uh, Hulu? Yeah, Meaning I think it's Disney, Disney. Like, yeah. 100%. Well, yeah, but it's, so I, in a way, it's no different than, you know, factions. you go to a movie theater and they have the, the pre-roll with, like, here's the first look at three movies that you probably would have cared about in a trailer but don't need the behind-the-scenes for. So, like, those are all other competing studios. It's the same as how they attach trailers to one another. It's all... But I feel that's one. that's more... That's more... Um, that's more because of the theater and not because of the content. Well, I think that's the same here, is um, Tribeca Film festival organized this whole thing and had all these sponsors chip in but they yeah, themselves gotcha. i think are running it yeah it's not I mean, Dis- disney's sounds, not running this i mean this sounds more worth it to pay like the 20 bucks than it would to go watch a regular movie in theaters yeah no it was but... really cool and to be fair the heineken thing and the at&t thing your mileage may vary not every location's got to have it not every screening has it we got lucky that we were at the start of what they considered the weekend so they did that like thursday through sunday um but it is still really cool and it really did feel like it was nice to like get to go do a thing in a place and have it like have the experience of like going to like a cool like event in LA like where there's the free swag and random little unexpected things so that was really nice um but yeah and and the screen like the the funny thing is before the movie started they ran IMAX as one of the sponsors I'm guessing they put up the screen even though honestly the screen is just you know when you go like a music festival and they have that massive screen behind the artist now and it's like clear as day even in broad daylight that's the screen essentially they're using one of those, but for some reason they IMAX branded it, and then they did this whole thing about experience IMAX sound. And I'm like, but we're in a, our cars with our own sound systems. What are you talking about? And who? No one shot Palm Springs with an IMAX camera. It's like an indie film. What are you talking about? But anyway, it is cool. Um, I would recommend checking it out. Just it's something different to do. They treat it safely, um, and you know it's a chance to just get out for a bit. 
Uh, and it's, so that yeah, was Palm Springs. Right. So that so was Palm Springs. No, even no, though no, you're inside. Then, even though you're inside. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's Palm Springs. No, but then of course the movie itself. Yeah, it it um also actually has kind of a as much buildup as I gave for the drive-in. Like the movie itself has some interesting history because it was. I don't know if you guys know, Palm Springs is the single most expensive film purchase made at Sundance ever. Hulu bought it for, uh, well, the record I should say was seventeen point five million dollars, and Hulu offered the Lonely Island. 17.5 million dollars and in typical lonely island fashion they're like well what if we like exceed the record you want to throw in an extra 69 cents and who so, said sure and then it was purchased for 17.5 million and 69 cents and of course the lonely island did a nice joke and everything but yeah so um it's it's different than other lonely island movies because i think this may be one of the few movies that's a pro- Lonely Island production, but not necessarily fully Lonely Island. So they've produced some other stuff like Brigby Bear, I believe, a couple years ago. But this one, like, it literally starts with the Lonely Island logo as part of like the opening bumpers. It's they actually have a logo? they do now. It it says Lonely oh. Island Classics, and it's the exact same as the same <laughs> pictures. <laughs> so classic. Of, of course, they would call it <laughs> <Yeah>. Lonely <laughs> Island's Classics, dude. And the logo, the logo is literally a ripoff of the Sony Pictures Classic. Like it's the blue with the white line. It's the exact same logo. It's pretty funny, but um. Yeah, and it, so the it's, big question is, can you compare it, or how does it compare to Groundhog Day? Because that's well, yeah, the, well, you know, well, okay, we need to back it up before we even get there. Before we even get there, I was gonna say one thing it's is yes um, the no. premise itself. It's just a yes. Or hold on, no. the premise itself is a bit of a spoiler. So if you want to go in blind, there is something to be said for that. So skip ahead if you don't is want to. Is it a anything. yes or no? Because you asked them, how does it compare? Yeah, that's to not a yes or no. Yeah. that's not a that's not a yes or no. <laughs> anything is fine. Is it better? Anything is it better? Oh, is it better? Okay, so is it better? It's different. I like it a lot. Like a lot, a lot. It's a modern. Do you, Jason Reckman, like it more than Groundhog Day? I think I do, but I'm a Lonely Island fan as well, so that humor sort of. There is some. I only asked the yes or no question. (laughs) I do. I think. So okay. (laughs) So let me let me let me. It's a little different than Groundhog Day. So it is like many other movies, a movie that's ultimately about time loop. And Groundhog Day is obviously the originator of that, but a lot of other things, shows, movies, etc., have done it since. This one's twist on it. Besides it being Lonely Island, um, like, cause there are definitely some, like, typical Lonely Island jokes in here, but it's also not a typical Lonely Island movie. Like, there's some lines, I'm like, yup. Andy Samberg definitely is like, I'm gonna improvise that line. Like, you could see when, like, that shines through versus, like, the more indie vibes of some of the other parts of it. But what's different from this than Groundhog Day is it's ultimately kind of a romantic comedy. But it's one that's actually sort of dark. Like, it's as, it's as much a romantic comedy as it is these two characters trying to, like, come to terms with who they are. <laughs> And being okay with that. Like, it's not like a typical alarm. It's like, oh, the, like, sloppy guy and the girl makes him better. Or, oh, like, you know, the girl's going through stuff. And then here comes this guy that sweeps her off her feet. It's not like that. They're both, like, kind of awful people in their own ways. But then they sort of, like, make their way through. Um, but it, uh, it it means that, like, it's a bit darker than Groundhog Day. Like, the cynicism that Bill Murray had in Groundhog Day isn't here in the same way. It actually has a lot in that regard. More, like, innocence and kind of, like like kind of funny like pureness to it almost but it gets more um it does for sure get more it has like a darker undercurrent i guess you could say and that sort of opens the door to it being a more adult comedy because you know it's a little it's not like playing as a kind of family friendly thing like groundhog day was a bit more of like this one's more definitely raunchier definitely um more modern in a way like i guess the cynicism of the early 90s was in groundhog day in the same way that this kind of has like the tone of like a typical movie today you know sex jokes and stuff um 
but yeah, it, it, it does also, because of that, has some more serious moments, because it's about these two people basically discovering who they actually are. So, like, there's, it, it gets surprisingly, like, heavy in some parts. And there's also, like, a little streak of violence in there, which I don't want to spoil, but there, there's, there's some violent acts. So it's, um, like, don't get me wrong, it's still a comedy for sure. And there's, like, a lot of absurdity, especially in the fact that, like, Sandberg, his character, uh, Niles, um, is, like, he's been in this endless loop forever. So he is super comfortable with everything and it's like basically like Bill Murray has peak where he like knows exactly how to do every single move in Groundhog Day and make everything work in his favor. But then the, 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 the wrench being thrown in here is um, he accidentally leads another character into the time loop uh, played by Kristen uh, Mil- Miliotti, I think, of um, so How I Met Your Mother. And she's always been there. He just messed up that time, I guess, or he never... He So she plays a girl named Sarah and basically... He, she's part of the, she's in his, like, his day that's looping. Yeah. She's obviously there. But one time something goes a little awry. I'm not going to say much. And she ends up getting sucked into the time loop too. So that's immediately, actually at the surface level, I was getting all heady about it, but at the surface level, that's the difference between Groundhog Day and this is there's already two people and it's about kind of one person. So you have one person that's Bill Murray at his peak. I love this loop. And you have one person who's at the peak of Bill Murray being like, I need to get out of this loop. And they're kind of side by side. And they kind of like bounce off of each other and you kind of like – you watch like Sandberg come to terms with like, oh, I actually – maybe I don't want to be in this loop while uh, Miliotti's character is like, oh, maybe I do want to be in this loop. And they kind of just keep switching back and forth and then sort of come to terms with what they actually want. So it, it's interesting just because it's already like times two basically. Um, but yeah, it's it's really like – it's 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 just I just really liked it a lot. It's hard to describe without saying too much because like, you know, it's not that deep of a movie. So if I reveal too much, it kind of like the ride of it is fun and it does have that kind of over the top Lonely Island aspect. But I do like that these guys are actually starting to branch out and do other stuff. Like I was actually watching an interview with them last night and this they produced it and obviously Andy Samberg stars in it. But apparently um, this was more of a hands on production thing. Like it was you know they got the script, they were into it. They went out into the desert. They didn't have a, uh, like a studio backing or anything, so it was kind of their own thing, which means they had to be a little more hands-on. They were like rewriting it on the fly and doing all sorts of other stuff. And so it's a little more of a true Lonely Island movie than like you know Pen Fifteen on Hulu as a show, where it's just like there and Lonely Island throws money at it. Or like I think you should leave with uh, Tim Robinson on Netflix. That's also produced by Lonely Island, but they're just kind of you know are there to be like, oh, you're over budget. We'll talk to the studio for you. But this one, they were actually like in the trenches. It sounds like. So Akiva and Yorma weren't in aside from producing it they didn't do anything else they were not the in the movie whatsoever no they um but, but they I, didn't write it they didn't uh, i think or i don't it. know i'm not as sure. no it was directed by someone else it was written by someone else and then lonely island punched up the script a bit and kind of injected a little of their humor right, but okay, gotcha. but they i'm not sure i think this was mostly a sandberg joint that they just kind of joined in on mm-hmm. a little but um in a way that's kind of what's exciting about it to me because like lonely island like those guys have a certain brand of humor right and, um, you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Usually I'd say more often than not, it works. Um, but they definitely have this brand of humor that they're now. Have you seen Popstar? I love Popstar. Don't you dare. I love Popstar. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, about dude? <laughs> I haven't seen Popstar. Pop I was just throwing. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, I was like. I was, I was, oh, throw, I was just throwing a random name out. I, interesting I, I, thing I, I think you would Pop like Popstar. Interesting thing have about Popstar. Have you seen Hot Rod? I have seen Hot Rod. Interesting do, thing do about. Do you not like Hot Rod? Me? Or I haven't seen it either. Oh my god. <laughs> Interesting thing about Popstar that I learned from that same Lonely Island interview. Which troll. If if anyone likes like is a Lonely Island fan that's listening, go to Collider's YouTube. They just put up a forty five minute interview with these guys the other day. It's really good. But um apparently 
Lonely Island was not into Popstar being marketed as a Bieber spoof. They did not, the only thing that they didn't write for that movie was the subtitle, Never Stop, Never Stopping. They did not come up with that. They didn't want that. It was originally a working title of Connor for Real. And then the studio was like, oh, we got to market it this way. And they were like, there's only three Bieber jokes in the whole movie. And they made sure they were in every commercial and every trailer. And like, that's why, like, when you watch the marketing, it's like, haha, Bieber. And then you watch the movie and it's almost more of a story of the Lonely Island. I don't like, the, I don't out. like the, the title Connor for Real, though, if we're being honest. I don't, well, that was a working title. I don't know if they're going to stick with it, but they were never going to call it Never Stop, Never Stopping. They weren't going to do a Bieber riff. The studio insisted for marketing. The whole yeah, thing, because really the whole, like, if you, I mean, insisted. Angel, you Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how it works when they, that's no, how I know, it works. I know. <laughs> no, but I was going to say that uh, if you, like, when you watch the movie, it really is more than um, a, a Bieber spoof. It's basically the story of the Lonely Island told through the lens of, like, fame effect, you know, like the pop machine and how it affects kids, except. They kind of like put their story inside that at the same time. Obviously, they didn't go through oh, some of that so stuff. So the but... whole Lonely Island crew actually appeared in it, not just Andy Samberg? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Yorm is his DJ and uh, Kiva is, Kiva is uh, the, 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 the original lyricist. Yeah, the original yeah. lyricist. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's very much. I mean, the whole thing is basically a series of – it has a through It has a through line. No, it has a through line, but it very much feels like they just were like, all right, let's do a bunch of songs. And we're going to do a bunch of SNL style digital shorts, but then we're going to string them together with a plot. Except it works. Like that sounds like it wouldn't work, but it totally works. That that B scene had me cracking up. Oh yeah, there's so many good scenes in that. But yeah, so Lonely Island, uh, not Lonely Island. Palm Springs is a very different vibe than Popstar. Like it's less like Palm Springs definitely has some silly stuff, but it's definitely like a cut from a different cloth than Popstar. And I think that. Like when I was saying, oh, Lonely Island has like production team now and they have that logo. I think that coming out of this, that's kind of what I was most excited about. Like the movie was really good. I really liked it. But I like the fact that they're diversifying. Like I like the fact that they can have their fing- like fingers in the pies of shows like Pen15 and I, uh, I think you should leave and then do a movie like this and then do something silly like uh, Popstar. And like right now, I believe Yorm is working on the MacGruber series for Peacock. Uh, what oh I no! I have to get Peacock to watch that. Uh, Peacock's free, ad supported. Oh, okay. so you might be Good okay. Um, I don't know if all the shows will be free, but I know some are. Uh, so that'll be on Peacock. Wait, which is where the Office is gonna be? Uh, and Parks. Huh. So and Thirty Rock will be more accessible. Yep, in a way. Um, Interesting. But, yeah, there's gonna be. I thought it was a paid thing. Uh, they have a paid tier with no ads, and I think some of the content's going to be exclusively behind the paywall, but I'm not sure what. Okay, if, if Parks is ad-supported, I'm fine with that. I, yeah, I used that's to how it Parks used to be. Yeah. all the time, so I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so like Yorm's doing that, and then Akiva's doing um, something with Rescue Rangers, which I was like, wait, what? I didn't hear about that. So I guess they're rebuilding Rescue Rangers. I think, Rescue but I'm not Rangers. sure. And then Andy okay. obviously has Brooklyn Nine Nine, so like they're all already doing their own thing. But it's kind of cool to see that, like, as the Lonely Island, as like a brand, they're doing their own thing. Because what what what's interesting is like this movie, if I'm not mistaken, was shot around the same time, if not simultaneously, that the Lonely Island was doing the Bash Brothers Experience last year. Did you, either of you do either of you know what I'm talking about? Nope. My name is Jose. Okay, you do. Yeah, of course. So I love the Lonely Island. Super. Okay, Bash so. Brothers. Yes, melee. <laughs> yes, no, but that, that uh, one, right? No, so for those super two, Bash Brothers lonely. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, dude, Bash Brothers was like. So as they're making this movie, which I recommend, it's on Hulu. Well, it's it's a good movie. I really liked it. Go see it. But as they're doing that movie, 
they were also doing the most absurd, most lonely island like thing you can imagine, which was the unofficial Bass Brothers experience, which was their riff on basically the concept albums with accompanying films like Beyonce's Lemonade. Except instead of it being about anything of note, it was about um, the Oakland A's 80s like baseball power duo of Mark uh, McGuire and Jose I've just blanked out his last name. Jose Consenco. Consenco, yeah. yeah. Consenco? What? He's in it? Uh, Conseco's not, they're not in it, but Andy and, uh, he's referenced. He, uh, yeah, it's about them. It's a fake audio. They're the main characters. It's of a it. fake audio biographical story play, about play these by two. the Lonely Islands guys. Yeah. Man, so basically just because of that reference since he's a Ninja Turtle reference. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny cause it's like they made a concept album, like full on a 26 minute, I guess EP of songs about these two their rise and fall from their perspective. And then they made a accompanying weird Netflix thing. And they were doing this absurd thing, which is actually, I would argue one of their better albums, just in terms of production at the same time that they were filming Palm Springs, which is like definitely a different vibe. So it's really cool that they actually have been able to diversify like that. And um, yeah, Angel, it's super weird. Just so you know, like they're super, they did it. Like there's like, we're going to do this weird thing and people like it. Great. And um, that means that like, it's gonna it, it's gonna be weird. I just need to be very clear. It's good, but it's Quick. gonna be weird. Quick, we and we don't need to get into details. What is the best? Uh, what's the best Lonely Island album? Well, that's easy. Oh boy, you know I I, I feel like I'm biased because nope, of recency. Nope, nope. I I, I, I need really it. like Bash Brothers. Let okay. me tell you why I really like Bash Brothers. Nope, nope, nope. That's wait, it. but I want no. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Turtleneck and Chain. All right, continue. I. Oh, about why Bash Brothers? Okay, I'm gonna say it real quick. No, 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 no. Just, just continue. No, th- 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 now I'm saying it. It's too late. I'm gonna say it. I really want to say oh, it. No, I think what they did so well with Bash Brothers. Oh my god. No, no, no. I think what they did so well is like they have so many styles in there, but it sorry, tells Angel. a story. Like they've never done that where they had a like usually it's just one off silly songs, but this one there's literally a story through the songs. So even though one song sounds like a Beastie Boys bravado track, and one song's like a slow jam song with Sia on it randomly. And then there's like one that literally sounds like a Yeezus B side by the end, like they have the screams and the like heavy bass. Like it, they jump through all that, but it's like actually the most cohesive thing they've done in terms of. I guess Turtleneck mm-hmm. and Chain comes close because they had recurring lyrics and references. I'm more, but I'm more partial to Incredible. Incredible. I I think I think Bash Brothers has is the more most like cohesive, like the most like it feels like a whole piece, but um. And Crab Ad is some of my favorites. I really like the song Boombox, which does not get enough love. Um, by Julian Casablancas or with Actually, Julian Casablancas. Actually, no, the, the Whack album. The, I'm a Whack album guy. Whack I love. Album, uh, I love uh, Go Kindergarten. Love that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. I kind of wish they. Um, I kind of wish that like they still had an outlet like SNL to get these videos out because obviously they could put them on YouTube. They could do it on Netflix. They can make movies for Hulu, but like. Having them on TV definitely gave them a boost that sort of sort of started to like fade away with the Whack album. Because I think by then they were already off SNL or winding down from SNL. But also a good one on that album is uh, the one with uh, Solange, um, Semicolon or whatever. The one where they do the semicolon, whole – Yeah, the grammar thing. Really there's song. actually kind of a reference to that in Palm Springs. They make – there's a whole scene that involves like saying the grammar as they go. And I was like, oh, this has to be a reference. Like there's no way it's not. But um, – yeah, so that was Palm Springs and then a lot more than Palm Springs. Point is, 
it's cool that the Lion is doing more stuff, and I hope this is the start of like a whole new wave for them of more diversified content that all has kind of their sense of humor strung throughout. But I recommend it. It's a good movie. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Moving on from something uh, completely different, <laughs> Angel finally saw Hamilton. Yeah. I did not plan on watching this movie, let alone... Yeah, I just didn't plan on watching it. I, not that I... I heard it was good. I knew I, there was a chance I was probably going to enjoy it, but... I just didn't really care enough to bother watching it. It felt like I got what I needed from just word of mouth and word of mouth. Even, even just like some, and even just some a few clips here and there that I just saw because I was curious about like what this rotating stage would look like. And I really was satisfied. I was like, I really don't need to watch this. I don't think I care enough about the topic or whatever. But I I do this thing on um, with my sister and brother in law every week where we have a movie night. At one point, like. It was just movies I wanted to watch with them or just show them every single week. But at some point, I really wanted them to have an active role in it. So we just started taking turns picking movies. And the rule was that no matter what they pick, we have to watch it, no complaining. So so we alternated. So like... (laughs) So well, no, it, like it, 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 well, no, it's, it's, it's all equal. Like we've so far, we've enjoyed every movie we've all seen. There's just been some like, like when my brother-in-law, I think he picked like Big Short, and then I think like my sister and I, we were kind of like, like oh, it's, Love it doesn't Big sound Short. that interesting. Like it doesn't sound that interesting. Like, uh, like let's watch some. Like you know, we were like kind of like a little hesitant, and then we watched it and we really enjoyed it. It was kind of, it kind of bummed us out a little, but we really Are enjoyed you talking it. About Big Short, yeah, the Big Short. Oh yeah, I and love that movie. Uh, yeah, it's so it's and you really know, like well if done. it wasn't for like. And if it wasn't for this kind of rotation, we wouldn't have watched Moneyball. We wouldn't have watched Crazy Rich Asians. We couldn't have watched, you know, Big Short and, you know, something else that would like yeah, Double War with Prada or Point Break and then a bunch of other animated stuff that I would throw in anyway. But yeah, so it's been great. So this week, they had just seen Hamilton the week before and they wanted to watch it again. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I think right after it was finished, I definitely felt like, like my initial impression was, yeah, I feel like i didn't really need to have i didn't need to see it like i felt like i it didn't like i felt like the satisfaction that i had it didn't really go beyond that but honestly like moments after just like you know just starting having a discussion just having a discussion around it after watching it with my sister and my brother-in-law and then just letting it sit for a while just made me appreciate it more as time went on and i actually came around to being like well actually i really liked it like there's a lot of stuff about history i just don't care about because i mean just growing up, history class was my least favorite subject. I'm sure that's a very common thing. And especially, like, history that has to do with, like, how the country came to be. Like, I, I mean, I do love history, but obviously, like, as much as other people do, in subjects they care about. Like, I know, like, Jason and I could go into, like, history of Nintendo and blah, blah, blah. Or I love the I history of I literally did with the Lonely Island, like, five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or, yeah, we were talking about... Yeah, like, there's a bunch of different types of history I care about, but, like... U.S. history was something that I was very much like, like, eh, like, I worry about current history, like, whatever. But I don't know how much of this is 100%. I don't know how much of this is accurate. I mean, I really doubt everyone was singing all the time back then. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> Actually, um, fun fact, they were. <laughs> it really was. Rapping. They had um, rap battles in Congress. It's true. I mean, yeah, the, the genre they bounced between was really interesting. Because, I mean, I definitely am more of a – I prefer – more i don't really know what genre of music that is but i mean when i listen to move to music with vocals i definitely prefer more song than rap or lyrical talking which is which there's a lot of here so it's not like i'm saying like oh like oh, i have to say, sit through this rap i mean it was so interesting 
but it's not like oh like i really feel the flow of this like i do with other music like yeah but and I mean, what, what's I, unfortunate for you is hamilton's one of the few musicals where i think there's one or two total lines of not song dialogue if, if i remember because <laughs> like literally this is less than 12 hours ago that i saw it uh-huh. um there was only one segment where yeah. there wasn't any kind of rhyming whatsoever every other time there was just they were singing yep. through and there's always a beat. and but yeah like like now like having this is myself more from the viewing i actually i really appreciate it i mean and like i said i don't know how much of it is true do you know like is it all is everything supposed to be accurate as far as you guys so part because i don't want to because you know it's not like coming off of a because there's that big thing that people say like oh man this is really cool because of stuff that actually happened and i heard that many times but i feel like because something happened doesn't automatically make it a good story i feel like a lot of stuff that we saw in it weren't that surprising weren't that like like oh crazy but it's like, oh, I guess because it happened, it makes it crazier. There were some parts that felt like, oh, this is kind of out of character. This just kind of came out of nowhere. And it kind of felt like it kind of just resolved itself and didn't really impact the story much. The but, impression... Or sorry, finish your same, thought, and then I'll answer what you're saying in a second. But at the same time, it's like, oh, but that's how it actually happened. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, that didn't make it feel any less like weird or kind of out of place. I mean, that doesn't really excuse it, but you know, like, but it's like, but if it did happen, I mean, it's also on, on the other hand, it's like, oh, that's good to know. I actually had no idea this Eliza or I forgot her name like existed or that she had did this many things after Hamilton's death. Like, it's crazy. Like, the spoiler it, for it, it, history it, right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, assuming well, that's I'm true. I'm not watching this. I mean, assuming that's yeah, true. So, like, no, that's it, true. It's that's really true. impressive and it's really like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that they're just kind of thinkers. Like, it was – I really enjoyed that about I, that. I, I think to answer your question about the accuracy. So there's been a recent flare-up in the last week. In like, so the, movie, the the play Hamilton came out, you know, first part of the past decade. And in the time since, obviously, so there's been some cultural shifts and, and uh, you know, things involving like the Black Lives Matter movement and everything where some of it – there's been some dialogue that's come out recently about like how does this represent – the time, how does having them sing about s- slavery as being people of that group, like what's that all look like? Like there's all sorts of stuff brewing. But the, the, the from my understanding, the base level is Lin-Manuel Miranda found the story of this guy, this scrappy dude who like wanted to run America and then did not run it, but, you know, become part of making America and did. And he stayed pretty true to the beats of that guy's life. So it is pretty biographical. It is pretty accurate from my understanding. And that's why some of the story, like you could argue the story doesn't ebb and flow in logical ways like you're saying because that's just not how his life was. And it wasn't so much – Yeah, and I mean if you read a novel – Yeah, but if you read a novel, they're going to have plot points that flow. If you read a biography, it's going to just jerk you around like weird ways. And that's kind of like – Hamilton's basically a musical biography. No, yeah, so, and it's just like yeah. the price of a medium. But I mean, it's also very, so, but apparently it's also very selective in what it chooses to depict of of Hamilton. That is, yeah, yeah, that's part of the debate that's come up more recently too. I think, um, yeah, and it 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 because he had to, it yeah, it's a biography that he made points of his life fit an arc of a musical, essentially. But what I think is kind of cool about it is like, since we already spoiled it, who not like a spoiler because it's history, but. I had no idea Hamilton died how he did. (laughs) I had no idea Hamilton – no, that he died how he did. I had no idea that he was the guy that made like the economic side of the country into what it was. I mean I knew he was on our money and he's the only president not on our money or non-president on our money. But why why was that? I never thought about it. 
and he's like i mean the, the play straight up says this at one point but he is one of those guys like you don't really like think about but his story is actually pretty crucial to our history so it's just kind of it's interesting that like this is the way that he gets his like due in a way was through um a hip-hop musical but um yes i think i think that that Lin-Manuel Miranda I think was trying to find the right balance between trying to do the story and trying to make a musical so I think the plot honestly was kind of secondary to that what he I think he did really well was hit the things that musical has to hit like you know reprisals bringing back old songs bringing back things um you know having like there be like themes that repeat and ideas that repeat like that was all structurally very sound oh yeah yeah kind of required some weird connecting of the dots to get to those points yeah it just made the pacing kind of weird but yeah, like, yeah. for example, uh, I think a good example of that is so half the play – or like roughly half the play is the buildup of America and the other half is what happens when America gets – when they get the ball rolling. Like what does Hamilton do next? And I feel like the intermission point should have definitely been when America was founded. But then it goes for like 15 more minutes and then there's the – there is an intermission even in the movie version on Disney+. Plus. And it goes like another 10 or 15 minutes to some other point, which I guess is a more personal milestone for Hamilton. But as like a plot time device, maybe like the America breaking free would have been the moment that would be a good like, all right, America, and go get more popcorn. We'll be back in 10 minutes. But so, yeah, there's some like decisions like that. That's kind of like, oh, that's interesting. But Mm -hmm. I do – so you you only first saw it on Disney Plus, right? Like the pro shot version. I – it's. I was fortunate enough to get to see the touring one of it at the Pantages a few years ago, and what is interesting is how was that with the original cast? No, that's the thing. It was, uh, and that's what I was gonna say. It's just interesting the differences I noticed between that. So I think the Disney Wasn't Plus the creator, win, the one that played win, Hamilton, is that the same as it? Not on the one yeah, I saw. Slim yeah, yeah, that's Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes. Oh. Um, David Diggs was also apparently in like he the was. cast. Yes, he was. He played two characters. Um. But yeah, he so the original cast is what's in the Disney Plus version. And what's interesting is watching that now and then thinking back to what I saw at the Pantages with the touring cast, which is how all musicals do it. They have the touring cast and the main cast on Broadway. Um, it was kind of interesting to see like, oh, so what I saw at the Pantages was actually these guys doing imitations of these guys doing characters. Like I could see the direct, okay, yeah, so this is like the, Thomas Jefferson, for example. They make him this kind of like Little Richard-esque person like he has like this like bravado to him and it's kind of like you know like kind of very much a purple suit yeah and like he it's interesting to see okay so he's kind of little richard in the original and on the disney plus version but when i saw the pantages i got more of like a prince vibe from him but it was that guy trying to do the little richard impersonation that the original actor was doing or like the hamilton parallels like there was a lot of little things i was just like oh i was watching like not a bootleg or a knockoff because there's a fully sanctioned one and it you know lin-manuel miranda was advising it before it went on tour but like i feel like i've seen like the real one now while before i saw like an interpretation or something which which you know makes sense because it's the original cast versus a different cast but it's just interesting to be able to compare those and um that kind of made the rewatch interesting on a whole separate level but then the thing i really like about it that i want to point out because i watched it last weekend um as well and turn on subtitles like that's my number one oh, recommendation yeah. turn on subtitles because like the intricacy and like the thing is Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote this thing himself from my understanding I mean I guess he had people like chime in and give advice but it was basically his baby a three two hour and 40 minute musical written by one dude which is crazy um and like the intricacy of the wordplay the rhymes inside rhymes the hip-hop references not just like in terms like little like uh samples of like specific beats or like flows or whatever but like the actual like lyrical references 
like there's all sorts of these little things that when it's in subtitles you can actually see it like unfold in front of you and realize just how like crazy good he is at writing this stuff because uh, there's some you know when you're watching it there, there's some parts that go so fast that you just you gloss right over the fact that he had like a rhyme inside a rhyme inside a rhyme or something like that and then when you see it like spelled out you're like whoa how did he that is nuts and then yeah, so being clever. able to... he rhymes subject with subject no 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 <laughs> there, I mean there's some that do, but that's all he did but... like yeah, no, but that's all hip. I mean, he also did the uh, the burser to, thing like to, to, every yeah, two minutes. To be to be fair, he was using subject in two different ways at that point. But yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, like, there's a lot of like little things or like because I feel like with rap, and I guess even when we we're talking about the Long Island, they do this too because they're you know big rap fanboys and they're inspired by. It. There's a lot of it's very referential to itself. Like, there's a lot of rap that references other rap or other things. So, like seeing. Um, how they play off one another, even when the rhymes aren't necessarily elaborate, seeing like how, you know, he did a, there was a DMX reference in there. There was like a Notorious B.I.G. reference in there. There was a Jay-Z reference in there. He literally does basically a riff on Eminem's Lose Yourself in there. And like seeing all that and being like, oh, those are those things, even if like subject was subject, whatever. But at the same time, all those artists and then what these guys are inspired by them also do is those rhymes you don't expect where like they they tweak the syllable just the right amount where like a word that shouldn't rhyme kind of works and then seeing it in writing makes you realize oh wow they really like got clever with that so that that's kind of what i took away from watching it again was being able to actually stop and go oh that's like eminem's lose yourself hang on and like being able to pause it and be like yeah this is the same and that sort of thing but um which you can't do in the live one and it glosses and you know it's such a long thing two hours 40 minutes that like when you're out of the musical and walk away you're just like okay that was hamilton that was cool but like to be able to actually stop and go if you want to nerd out about this stuff and go where did he pull that from where did he pull that from like it's 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 pretty cool i mean even the way he spells his name at the beginning where they spell out alexander hamilton with letters is like almost the exact same cadence that uh biggie does in one of his songs and like there's little things like that that you're like wait where have i heard this before and they kind of piece it together like a puzzle so I thought that was a fun, like, second level to it, like almost the, the meta of Hamilton, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, like, that that's kind of what I thought was cool about it. But I'm glad you appreciated it, Angel, because, yeah, it is yeah. one of those things that, like – or, sorry, go ahead. No, so the only other thing I wanted to mention that I really liked about this, which is kind of what I like about musicals in general or any kind of stage performances, is, I guess, like, how they work with the limitation of being on stage, always being seen by everybody – so I just love seeing like all the creative way that they, you know, like just incorporate him going from going about town to suddenly being in an office with a table being propped up by people like all that practical stuff. I just really enjoy seeing to and I thought it was like really awesome just to see them like create a flashback like where they actually have the scene play out normally the first yeah. time. And then at some point there is a song and then like as the choreography goes along, it literally they set it up so that you end up right back at that moment. And it was literally like, oh, wow, they did a flashback in a musical and it felt super seamless and really awesome. Like, is that, is that kind of stuff that makes me appreciate these kinds of things, especially because they have to perform in front of people. It's mm-hmm. not like a movie where you get a bunch of takes until it's perfect. Like, this is, yeah, like, incredibly, like, difficult. And I feel it sometimes doesn't get the appreciation it deserves from a lot of people. Like, I feel like sometimes, like, Hollywood actors feel like, or, I mean, get the... I feel like they're kind of put on this pedestal that they're like kind of the all the way on the top and then Broadway is kind of like a notch below. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, like not to take away any any credit from like, you know, Hollywood actors. I mean, it's obviously not, nothing easy either, but 
you, there is something to having to perform live every time. Like you could almost argue that every performance is a little different, and which is also kind of why I like animation because there's like everything has to be created from scratch, like literally everything. But there is a yeah. hustle that live stage performers have to go through that is not appreciated in the same. Like think about how many people are like, oh, the Oscars, and then how many people are like, oh, the Tonys. Like there's definitely like they put. I didn't in even know a, the Tonys were a thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's there what the go. T and E got. That's the T and E got. You watch Dirty Rock, um, but yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> See, and I'm thinking I appreciate this stuff, and I didn't. Even I know. know I know. That's my home. point. Is like 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 we have. I think you're right. We have glorified um, movies so much that like we kind of disregard the fact that like there are people that like they're doing two shows a day when Hamilton was at its peak I think they had like a 7pm and like a 10pm or something exhausting. or maybe it was like a 2pm at 7pm I don't know they, they do two a day at one point a lot and of that's the thing. do two a it's day it's super exhausting like they have to do like yeah. the whole show back to back as opposed to like you know they only shoot a few shots a day and then hit all those marks be able to do that flashback like one of the things I thought was really cool in Hamilton is where they do the rewind motion oh, yeah. before they do the flashback and they all start moving backwards like on the spinning stage for a second like they actually step backwards like there's just like a lot of stuff they're like wow this is a lot of choreography a lot of like attention to detail that you have to make sure you always hit your mark with while singing while rapping while having rap battles like it's the art of musicals man i know it's it's impressive and it's something that i feel like not enough people give enough credit to yeah i mean a lot of them are just kind of brushed aside because they're musicals because they're singing some of them yeah. brush them off because they have to go watch them at a play or at a stage somewhere which sucks i mean I hope, I mean, I don't want to say like, oh, I hope we get more stuff like Hamilton where we get like a really nice big production video form of it, but because that also does kind of take away a little bit about watching it live, but I really do appreciate being able to see like all the nice facial expressions up close and, Mm -hmm. you know, really read it because I probably would not have gotten that if I watched it live because I probably wouldn't have gotten super nice seats because I heard they're really expensive. Yeah. Like, like, I probably corner. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, oh, I mean, that's a cool stage, or the movement is cool, but, like, I couldn't see Hamilton's, like, those, like, you know, the subtle facial expressions are with Burr or whatever. Yeah, no, like, when was, I, was when I saw the Pentagius, it was, Vegas? it was. So, basically, okay. they just went to a regular Broadway show of it and brought it. They wouldn't cameras. stop laughing, knowing. Well, of course they wouldn't stop. You know, the funny thing is they filmed it at the peak of Hamilton Frenzy on Broadway, so, like, the second a character would come out that people are like, oh, it's this guy, they'd all start cheering, even though if you're at home and you've never seen it, you're like, what's the big deal? Like, I think it was Thomas Jefferson or George Washington came out, and the crowd was just like, yeah, yeah. And, like, you're like, what? why? If you've never yeah, seen people, it. People really like the King George. Or yeah, no, he's... Aren't you, you supposed to be quiet during musicals? Yeah, except you're supposed to cheer during at the end of songs and stuff, you know, clap. Yeah, oh, they do yeah. pause. Yeah. They do pause for applause. Yeah, they yeah. do. And and to be fair, they weren't, like, hooping and hollering over the dialogue when characters came out. But, you know, yeah. definitely, like, Jefferson's Americans. first appearance. Yeah, right. The thing I thought was funny... You, here's how you know Hamilton's kind of, like, feeling itself a little did you notice in the subtitles angel whenever they had clapping it wasn't audience applause and it wasn't audience cheers it was audience cheers comma applauds they couldn't just have one then you'd be like the crowd loves it so much and we need you to know that we're putting both verbs in yeah the no, I, I, I think that i think that's <laughs> more of an accessibility thing i mean there were also but, I mean, like but cheering and applying are synonyms is my point I mean, well, well, they, you can cheer without applauding. I guess, I guess, and I'm just teasing about it. it. I just thought it was funny that they kept being like cheer. Like there was never one where it's just applause, and there's never one where it's just cheers. It's always applause and cheers, or cheers and applause. On, on, the only thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and it had kind of nothing to do with Hamilton, hmm. is like, I mean, Disney obviously got the rights to have Hamilton on Disney Plus, but they didn't have anything to do with its production or the making of, right? 
Correct. So they pro-shot this however long ago, and then they were shopping it around, and Disney bought it for some outlandish amount of money and was going to put it in theaters next year. But then when they needed content for Disney+, Plus, they decided to be a little agile, and they bumped it up and made it a Disney Plus exclusive this year. Because, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but it was already that- done. Didn't they also take away the um, yes F. the one week trial right before it? So Wait, that oh yeah, yeah, and it? they took out the f bombs. There are three f bombs in Hamilton, or maybe two. Oh um, come on! But because Disney Plus doesn't do above PG thirteen. No, and, yeah, yeah. But oh, still, is yeah, that why that, it went quiet? In those so there's things? one. There's one where they just say. Well, well there were three. Every time there's one where they better. do. Yeah, and there's know. one where they do like a reverse, like you know, like in, in censored music, how they just switch the word backwards. So it's like or whatever for like whatever the word is. They did that one time, and there's one where they actually just bleeped it. Huh. But do Lin- you actually hear a bleep? I think I, there was a bleep. I don't remember. Oh, that's I, or maybe just, there was no, 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 no. You didn't might, at that point. There might not be a bleep. It might be a mute. I'm trying to remember. I just remember seeing. Yeah, yeah I, I think most of these. I'm pretty sure they're mutes because I don't think I ever heard a beep. But there is one where they reverse it. And I oh. think on some level, honestly, like because Lin-Manuel Miranda was saying on Twitter that like he he's willing to give some Fs to let them take it away. Like that was kind of his joke. But like because it's about the accessibility of the audience it can now reach and, you know, probably all the sales yeah, that come with that. Uh, I'm sure like the Hamilton mixtape they did a few years ago is back up on the charts, I would have to imagine. Which, by the way, that's kind of cool. Like if you do like the music at all, Angel, um, The Roots, like the band The Roots, you probably know from Dream Fallon, but The Roots did a – with Lin-Manuel mm. Miranda and Sia and Buster Rhymes and all these other people, they did basically remixes of all the music from the thing, from the show, but they made them like their own individual songs. But they're using like the backbone of the musical's music. So, and so like I'm sure that's kind of back up the charts because this. But anyway, the point I was getting at is, um, yeah, I think for the accessibility, they just said it's fine, get rid of them. But I suspect that when they did that, he purposely had them be censored in different ways to kind of as a nod to how rap gets censored on the radio because like you know some songs they just cut it out some songs they replace the word some songs they just do that weird backwards thing and he did one of each of those so i that was definitely felt intentional to me and another one of those like kind of low-key like oh yeah he's like really pulling from a lot of different like things in the hip-hop world like even how songs are censored now so i, I thought that was kind of cool well, in a very well, minor I mean, way yeah well i mean i guess like my point of bringing up the fact that disney bought it or what they did it's like the same thing that netflix does where it felt kind of weird, like having known that, or at least assuming that. Uh, it was weird, kind of seeing the Disney logo appear right before Hamilton, because it almost kind of felt like, oh, is this a Disney production or Disney made it? It yeah. just, I don't know. It, it's just kind of weird. Well, it every, like, I kind of like, I think it's like they're taking credit for it. It's like whenever I see Netflix original, I think that one kind of stings a little more when I know like, oh no, they just licensed it. It's like, oh, Netflix original. Um, which one was it? Like, I don't know, like Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's like, you didn't make that. But I think, um, <laughs> I think on some level, though, that's just how the industry's always been. It's just becoming more apparent because so much more is being bought and put out. No, you're like, Yeah, and you're right. I'm, I'm sure that's. Because Palm Springs said a Hulu original, yeah. but I was just talking about how, like, they did it without having yeah, a studio. Was, yeah, and we know, like, freaking um, close enough, like, we know what's going to be on TBS. It was made somewhere else. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's more, they're just a distributor, so they get to slap yeah. their name on it and make it part of their brand essentially yeah. which hamilton there's a leaked phone call with the ceo of disney and he was talking about how important hamilton is to disney now and how like it's like not quite the saving grace of disney plus but like it's bringing in such a different demographic now um to disney plus because they got rid of the free trial so i wouldn't be surprised for the next month or two we start seeing them trickle out more of the 20th century fox content into disney plus to kind of address this newer different crowd than the marvel star wars uh animation fanboys and girls so mm-hmm. yeah and it's kind of those things that like yeah that's just what the brand is now like the brand is as much 
you know, it's kind of like Nintendo publishing games on behalf of other companies versus Nintendo developing their own games. They all say Nintendo at the beginning and on the yeah. box. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Hamilton, it's it's worth checking out. Is it, though? I liked it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's dive back in. No, I'm kidding. All right. Well, Angel, may your survival be long. And your death be swift. Last of Us 2. Here's where... Uh, oh, before we get into this... Spoilers. Jason, spoilers. Would you actually ever be... Uh, let's start with no spoilers, and then and then we'll talk about spoilers after we give our our just impressions. You started but saying my name, Jason. Has yeah. the, has there ever been an interest for you to play these games? I don't think I paid enough attention to them beyond knowing that what they are are in, uh, surface level to want to or play how them. critically acclaimed they are. I know they're critically acclaimed, yeah. L- um, but but like that's never been like, huh? I should not any more than it was when we last talked about this two weeks ago. <laughs> so not I, even if you want to spoil it, feel free. Not, not even like, I like maybe knowing you should uh, ask Angel and we could like play it whenever I'm over so I could like get to the story. Like what we were going to do with God of War. Yeah, so like in 2024 when Corona's over? Yeah, maybe. Well, you guys already spoiled it all on the text chain and the random kind of text chain, so it's fine. <laughs> go. go <for> it. No <laughs> one even asked me at that point. You just started hitting up my phone with it, so go. Oh, that was <laughs> a good point. I, I, I guess in my mind it was like, this guy's never going to play this game. You're so. correct, <laughs> so I, 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 no I was going to give... There was a moment where I was going to give Jason credit or like kind of be like you know what Jason I get it before I watched Hamilton I was very much like I didn't plan on watching it I knew it was critically acclaimed but I'm like I don't really care enough to watch it I don't really want to bother but I don't know at some point I just kind of feel like like why like why don't I just watch it and like who like maybe I'll actually like it and I just did you know you just take the plunge obviously it's easier yeah, for yeah Last of Us 2 a is movie, a so. $460 plunge <laughs> eh, nah yeah yeah for me I'm sure there's anyway. to make it cheaper. I mean, you would have to play part one first anyway, but I guess you don't. Yeah. But. Yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, spoiler uh, it up. This game, this game does a... The, the beginning does a, a good job of, like... Previously on. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, previously. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does that. Uh, but before we, we do the spoiler stuff, okay, uh, just... Angel, overall, what did you think? Uh, spoiler free. Overall, I really liked it. Um, I mean, it felt pretty much like the first one. Like, if you like the first one, you'll like the second one. I felt like there was way more um bang bang shooty combats than there were in the first one i felt like the first one had more of a focus on stealth i could be wrong but then again really also, interesting um because i because i mostly played this game stealth but then again like we also played it on vastly different difficulty so yeah I, i'm pretty sure that has okay, so, something so to what, do with so it so what was your difficulty <laughs> settings then first I want to say there were one notch below regular just because I just wanted to get through the story. Like, I honestly, like, I loved the story for the first one and I really wanted mm-hmm. to play the second one. But, uh, like, I, any kind of shooter, no matter what it is, like, I don't care too much for them. So, mm-hmm. like, I can, I can play through them, but, like, playing it on a harder difficulty, it's like, I don't really care to invest the time to get good at it to or get better or to master it to you know like i guess like i guess the way like i'll play like god of war on a hard difficulty or play some platformers on a hard difficulty like i don't get that same kind of like thrill that i get from a shooter just because i feel like i'm just naturally not that great at shooters so i just it would just be more frustrating than than a a good kind of like oh man this is tough it's gonna be more like oh this is just annoying like i just want to get through at this point so i think i put it one notch below normal but then i also kind of tweaked with some of the the accessibility settings like the beginning it was pretty right. much just like one notch below normal and it, was, and it was fine like i mean it was there were some sections that 
felt tough that I was like, oh man, if this was on a harder difficulty, like, damn, this is going to be like, this would have been really frustrating or this is going to take someone forever. But then towards the end, I was kind of messing around with the accessibility settings way more just to kind of like have fun with them. And there was one that I saw that was like, oh, if you're prone, which means that you're laying all the way down on the ground, you'll pretty much be invisible to like everything. And I turned that on and it was just hilarious. Like I just, I don't know why, it just made it so fun, but like in a very guilty pleasure way. Like I did like this game enough that I do plan at some point, like it's on my list of just like, it's pretty much I put it on my list of games to beat, but I'm going to go back and play it on New Game Plus on a much harder difficulty. Maybe not like the highest, but but I really did enjoy it enough that I now actually do, I am invested enough that I do want to get better at it to get the full, full experience. Mm -hmm. But have you I, seen the but, gifts of people just straight up John Wicking? Uh, oh, it, it looks like John Wicking fools. It looks yeah. so cool. <laughs> it, it, uh, it looks like <laughs> pre-rendered. It looks. Oh, I like how that's a verb. John Wicking. John Wicking fools. Solid, yeah. ver- solid verb. Oh man, yeah, but but because of that, like the last third of the game, I think I pretty much played it with like that cheater mode, like the prone mode, just because it was so mm-hmm. fun. But I, it was straight up cheating, but it was just so fun, like. It was so fun because the game is so has such a serious and dark tone, but here I am just kind of like there's like a section where you're like at a big camp and you're just kind of running through. I won't say anything beyond that. But you're running through and you're supposed to like sneak past a bunch of people, but I was just like running through. And they're like there they are, shoot them! And then as soon as they start shooting, I just like go prone and then they're like, oh, where do they go? And then they're <laughs> literally like they're walking like all over me, like they literally bump into me and they're like, whoa, but nothing. And then, like, I just crouch up and start running. They're like, there they are, shoot them. And I just go prone again. Or, <laughs> like, it was it was the most fun just, like, or just, like, standing up, running at someone, going prone, and then just, like, going right behind them and then just killing them just because it's, like, I disappeared. It was just, I don't know, it was a very, it was a very video gamey and, I guess, lethargic. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it was very, it was a very fun way to play. It was a very totally different way to play. It was kind of, like, a nice, um... Juxtaposition. Especially considering the, the the subject matter of the game. Yeah, it was pretty much like I was literally like, oh, like when you like usually finish these like sections, like they usually come out like, oh man, like, that was a close one. But yeah, my character was just like, oh, that was easy. Like, <laughs> like these guys are idiots. But um, honestly, it almost felt like because we know there is going to be an adaptation coming. It almost feels like the way I played it, especially in some cases where I just snuck by everything like without really struggling. That might be how they handle those in the in the TV show because I don't know if they're gonna spend like two plus hours on just shootouts or literally just someone sneaking by. It might just be like a ten minute thing and then it's just like oh all right they're on to the next plot point. But yeah, so it was very different, very fun. I barely had to craft anything. I don't even think I think I upgraded my gun once, like my pistol one time. Oh wow, really? <laughs> Yeah, because, oh, and one thing I did regret turning on, like, also, like, around that last third of the game, there were a lot of points in the game. Like, I'm I'm the kind of person that once I beat a game and I felt like I really enjoyed it, I want to go back and explore everything. But the first time around, I typically don't like to do side story stuff because I feel that this kind of detracts from the main story. Like, it just gets me, I just want to know what happens next. And I don't want to spend, like, another couple hours just exploring around and getting some lore if it's not going to progress the main character's story. So there were a lot of sections where, like, I know, like, Kevin mentioned in the last episode of Quarantine Chronicles, is that, like, oh, yeah, this area is big, and it opens up really wide, but, like, as soon as I'm passing one of those sections, the characters are like, oh, there's a lot of stuff we could do here, want to check it out? And I'm just like, nah, just keep going. 
<laughs> literally, like, probably, like, two or three hours of game, I just went by, like, in, like, ten minutes. Like, I think right. my total play time was maybe under around ten hours or less. Oh, Jesus. I'll, I'll have to check what's later, but time? it was... Kevin, what's your play time by comparison? Uh, my play time, I think I easily put... Uh, at least at least 15 hours 15 to 20 hours i want to say mine was like around 10 like maybe nine or i wouldn't say eight but it was around there i played uh my difficulty setting was was pretty much almost like 75 percent of the game it was enemies are incredibly weak i am incredibly strong as as far as how many bullets that i can take or like how much damage i could take but the stealth was incredibly difficult so it gave me like a nice mix and then uh crafting items was plentiful and it was like it almost got a little too easy so towards the back half of it i made it so that crafting was crafting items was uh were much less uh, plentiful and then i decreased my resistance so i almost it was almost like playing it completely on hard but like i said enemies were still pretty weak where i could take them out in a couple of shots um and that's i think that was the right balance to to finally go through because now I wasn't just just going through encounters like crazy. I was actually having to restart a couple of times towards the end, uh, especially that last section, which we'll we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. Uh, so oh, now man. going to so plus, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be, yeah going. What happened? No, I was like, oh yeah, that last <laughs> that last section was just hilarious. If you would see my playthrough of it, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I can <laughs> only imagine. Yeah, so going into new game plus, yeah, definitely a hard difficulty. Uh, especially with with all my stuff, I I loved upgrading my guns and stuff like that. Uh, I think what was great about this game is that compared to the first one, uh, there's not a lot of new mechanics. The really the only two that I can think of is going prone and jumping, but their I, implementation, I feel like made made the game feel. It made it feel advanced. Com- oh really? I thought it well, made it feel like more advanced. No, I I, mean, I really like the prone mechanic. I thought that was cool, but I thought jumping didn't really add anything. I, I mean, there was like a few sections I where thought, I guess I you, 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 you had to platform, but it didn't really feel like it. It, it didn't feel like it, it felt changed anything heavy. that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the jumping animation just kind of felt like even if I was just jumping in place or jumping not even that far, it felt like they were going full force on like the hardest jump of their life, even if it didn't really reflect on how much they actually jumped, but. It did. It felt like something that wouldn't have been missed if you just had automatically just like run to the edge and they automatically jump. I felt like the jumping, like I wouldn't miss it if it was gone. Like I wouldn't even notice that they took it away because I can't remember any time where I intentionally jumped to accomplish something that couldn't have been resolved by an automatic jumping system, like in Zelda. I think that's probably because of some of the encounters where they add vertic- verticality to it, which was another thing that they added to this game. Just verticality. The the first game was very much you are on what is it the the, the X axis pretty much the entire time. They they added a, a Y axis to this game. Especially there's a there's a part towards the middle of the back half of the game, which will make more sense to you, Jason, once we start talking about plot stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I think jumping definitely feels much better in combat scenarios when like you actually have to merc some fools with with weapons and stuff like that. No, oh, yeah. But and, since and, you played it more stealth, I've, yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna, you probably yeah, I was missed say, out on some of that. No, yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, definitely. Since I, towards the end, like, I just straight up, like, completely skipped some encounters. Like, there were a few. I think that very last one, I don't even think I killed a single person. I think I just, like, it was pretty much just, like, a straight, like, sprint through that whole complex to where I had to go. 
And so I know, like, going back, like, that's why I feel like, at least those mechanics-wise, I won't really get the full experience until I actually play it again in New Game Plus, where I actually have to utilize them. Because if, if, if I played it the way I did towards the end, I, yeah, jumping is kind of pointless. Because, like, why even bother if I could just, like, ghost through everything? Although I will say that I do regret turning on towards the end um, the, the, I guess, the path indicator. Like, I guess, the, the goal marker. Oh, the, the arrow, yeah. Yeah, the arrow. Because I became way too dependent on it, like, the first half, or, like, before I used it. Like, the game isn't, it isn't too hard to figure out where you have to go. You just kind of go. I mean, this is game, this good game design in general. Like, the path kind of leads you where you have to go, and you can kind of tell when you're going the right way or the wrong way. But at some point, I think when I just kind of felt like, when I was getting like really into the story and I just really wanted to just like see it through, I think at one point I just like, all right, I just really want to make sure I'm not double like backtracking a lot. Because there were a few times where I went the wrong way and once I realized that I had to go back the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every time I hit, I think it was L3 or R3, so you click the analog stick, an arrow pops up and shows you where you're going. And pretty much once I started doing that, every time I would reach the arrow, I would immediately press it again. And then it would go to the next arrow and then press it again. So it pretty much became a follow the arrow game. And oh, okay. that, yeah, so that's where I felt like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that towards the end. Because at one point it felt like it felt more like a Universal Studios ride. So I'll be able to talk <laughs> way more about the story. But the gameplay wise, it was more like I was like a passenger in like a Telltale's game, which is really fun. Which is like why like, like I feel like if Jason were to play this game, I would totally recommend he would play it this way. Because he would actually see right. the story. He would still get a taste of the combat. Especially when you have to fight the bosses. Like, Jesus, some of those are kind of crazy. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll get to that one. Maybe I'll make him play because it honestly didn't take that long. Maybe I'll make him play it one day. Because, I mean, it wouldn't even take that long. We could even... I mean, if we bumped up the difficulty down even further than what I had it, he could probably beat it in, like, two or three sessions. Yeah, for for me, I feel like there was, there was enough uh, subtle changes to the gameplay that just made a huge world of difference. I guess because of because of the way that I ran my encounters. That is awesome that we that this is even an option, or the fact that we can even both beat the game, but just be it two different games. I would say at this point. And we we talked about in the last episode the accessibility options and the difficulty settings that you can set up are some of the most clever implementations that I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, and the fact that even at like the highest difficulty, you can go through these encounters without essentially having to defeat or kill any of the enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is also like a testament to the to the game design, because mo- most of the encounters it's like you're in this big open area and you just need to get through a door, and once you get through the once you touch that door that's it. It's not like the enemies can chase you past that door, because like the characters will just like block it with like a with like a table or with like oh, a yeah. fire mm-hmm. axe though, which is really funny. No, yeah, and, like a- and it's always funny. No, yeah, there's usually like a ton of people behind me because you know I'm just like kind of sprinting through, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like nothing happened after we yeah. get past that door. But, yeah, and, and it's also funny, like, like there were there were segments where I where there's a bunch of enemies, and I would I would uh, pick off one or two of them, and then uh, the other enemies wouldn't ever find out about them, and I'd go through the door, and you know you they'll do the little animation where like she'll block off access, but then. There'd be times where I would just get rid of everybody in the area, and they would still do that animation. Like, why? <laughs> there's there's nobody behind you. So as far as that, um, let's get into spoiler talks because I think that's where we're going to be going into the uh, into the actual story stuff. 
Uh, you, you good with that, or you you got oh, anything yeah, else yeah. to say? Um, no, just um, damn, it's like just closing comments on that. It's just I like, just never played a game like this. It was I definitely felt bad at first because usually I'm all like, oh, I gotta play games on the hardest difficulty. But I think mm-hmm. breaking but this, this is deal, a very story heavy game. Yeah, like I didn't feel. I mean, obviously story wise, I didn't miss out on anything because it's the same no matter what. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting that this is even an option, and obviously not every developer has to do it. It's really appreciated, but I mean, if it, if your vision is like, I don't know what's a good example of a game that is really hard but doesn't have a difficulty switch, but I mean, if they don't have it, I mean, oh, from software games. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Like the Demon Souls and Dark Souls, right? Like some people, I know, like they've been clamoring, like, oh, they should put a difficulty switch. It's not fair for those people, but. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe they should, but at the same time, if they they developed it, if that's how they want it to be played, then it's kind of, I mean, it's no different than like a painting. It's like everyone interprets it their way, but it's just the way they painted it. He's not going to paint different versions of it. Like, oh, maybe they won't like this green dye or this green paint that I use. I'm going to paint the blue version so that it doesn't offend or it's more accessible to people that don't like green. I mean, it's, it's appreciated when they do, but I, I'm in the camp where I feel like not everyone has to do it, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Spoiler. Uh, my close, closing, closing, my closing comments. I think it was great. I still don't know if I prefer it over the first one. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, I still go back and forth on it. But yeah, it's been a while since I. Well, yeah, it's been seven years since Last of Us Part One came out. Uh, I think that's the last time that I played it. Uh, oh, yeah. the multiplayer I mean, I the remaster, missed. so it's definitely way more recent. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I missed the multiplayer. The Last of Us uh, multiplayer was way better than it had any right to be. There were some rumblings from Naughty Dog themselves saying that they were working on some some multiplayer stuff with this game, so I hope that eventually does come out. Isn't it like uh, an expansion okay. or something? Excuse me? Is it going to be like an expansion or something? Isn't that what the plan uh, is? They still, they still haven't said. Uh, okay. I guess it's just yeah. So for for all cool. we know, it could be just like a standalone thing. Right. And I mean, the some, first game got DLC. DLC. Second game, I there's mean, no way to say that. That was, that was more of an expansion. No way DLC. this isn't gang DLC. It's the number one oh, we'll, selling PlayStation we'll, exclusive ever. It's gang DLC. It's gonna get. That. We'll we'll talk about that, especially where where because of the story goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't want to get spoiled on the game uh, going forward, it's been nice uh, having you on the show. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's been nice having you on the show. Uh, follow us at. No, that that you got to hear at the end. Yeah, you got to stick it out uh, for the plug. Oh, timestamps for for uh, for everybody. I always forget to to talk about the timestamps. Well, you're way past that point now, so it's okay. Yeah. So, uh, but they exist. If you made it this far and you're wondering what topics are there left to hear, we have timestamps available. Yeah, we'll put we'll put a timestamp yeah. for um closing. That way, you know that we're not talking about closing. Just say story spoilers. Talking about yeah. yes, uh, spoilers. So, okay. Go. Joel dies within yeah. what the first hour of the game? Yeah, the main character. The first. Well, I guess the. Yeah, he is the main character. It, Mr. It was yeah, about, the main Mr. Character. Scruffy play, face, right? Him. Scruffy face. Yeah, you, yeah. You play as him through what's like seventy five percent, more like eighty percent of the first game. Yeah, and he dies within the first hour, and that is the biggest point of contention with this game. I feel like. Yeah, it divides. It divided the fan base pretty much like the fact that your game is dividing the fan base in one hour is pretty insane to me bold it's very bold of them. yeah yeah especially because joel what did you I mean, think i mean he was a likable character and like i didn't feel like oh man they killed my joel it was more like whoa like what i mean the the thinking point was also that 
at least at the time of the when you're in the story when he dies, it's just some random person that kind of kills him. You don't know what their deal is, right. why they killed Joel. It's just some just some woman that apparently just really hates Joel, and you don't know why. And I mean, as soon as she kills him, pretty brutally, I might add. I was yeah. like, I was like, man, like, what did Joel do? I mean, he must have done something bad. I mean, was and and I was talking to Kevin about this because he was like, oh, have you gotten to that moment yet? And I'm like, no. And then obviously you would know what moment it is when you get there. And then I, and, and I jokingly told him like, man, like she has to be like. Was she like one of the kids of the doctor that I torched at the end of the first one? Because if you don't know how the first one ended, like Ellie is immune to the virus that turned everyone into plant people. I'm going to call them plant Ellie, people. the main character of this game and the the other main character of the first game. Mm-hmm. And so since she's immune, they wanted to take her to Seattle or somewhere? Uh, no, it was uh, Salt Oregon? Lake. Salt Lake City, I think. No, Salt Lake. I think it was Salt Lake City. Yeah, they wanted to take her to Salt Lake City to a facility where they had doctors where they were going to create a cure because, you know, she's immune, so they should be able to create a cure. You travel across the country with her, and you get there, and it turns out that in order to make a cure, they're going to have... She's going to die. Like, she won't survive the procedure. And Joel, hearing this, you pretty much so go hold on, through... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, so, it, so, and this is another big point of contention. It's never explicitly said that she that there will even be a cure oh that's right there's it's a like chance. there's a possibility yeah. of a cure yeah but yeah for so, that chance to happen ellie has to die yeah so regardless like it joel didn't want that he he decided i mean he grew up bond with her he pretty much saw her as a daughter he had already lost his original daughter so you know he he put his he put his love first and he went and kind of went on a murder spree went through a bunch of soldiers went to the operating room you get these doctors in there that kind of put their hands up. They're like, oh, don't hurt us. And I think I had a flamethrower at the time. And I just like... There's, them there's specifically and... one doctor who, who goes like, what are you doing What are you doing in here? You shouldn't be in here. And like he grabs a, scalp, a scalpel. And if you don't do anything, he kills you. So uh... you, you are essentially forced to kill this one doctor. You don't have to kill the other two doctors. You can, but you don't have to. <laughs> but there's specifically the, the, the first guy that grabs a scalpel... You have to kill him. And so you kill him. And then, you know, you leave with Ellie. And then the game ends with her telling him, like, oh, what happened? He's like, oh, they already, there were, they had other people there that were also immune. They didn't need you. So, you know, pretty much that lie that, you know, just so she wouldn't have to know that. He pretty much kind of took up the point away of her, of the whole journey. And so, yeah. So I didn't realize that the joke I had mentioned was ended up being accurate because it turns out that doctor with the scalpel was the father of the woman that killed Joel. And I mean, and you don't know this until a... what halfway. Oh, through the game? Yeah. Like a little over halfway for sure. And I mean, I thought that was a, a pretty reasonable reason to want to kill Joel. I mean, you were just the daughter of, of this doctor who was already having like difficulty with deciding whether he wants to go through with it or not. And then he just dies because this guy just, kill them for trying to find a cure like she loses her dad because of i guess debate arguably like a selfish reason to you know save this girl that could have saved millions potentially debate debatably i would say objectively it's a selfish reason oh no 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 I mean, yeah yeah no yeah it, it definitely is a selfish reason yeah but i guess someone would yeah i guess some people could probably argue like well i mean he really loved her he had to do it but 
uh, it, at, it the, at the cost it, of, yeah, of it possibly a cure. Yeah, it, it was not the right thing to do. I mean, he... Yeah, he, so, so he, that's, so that's one that thing choice, we could talk yeah. about Joel's death. Yeah, that's one thing that we could talk about Joel's death of, like, did he deserve it? Uh, I'm in the, yes, he absolutely did deserve it. As yeah. much as a great character Joel is, uh, and, like, the shades of gray in him. Yeah, I think it's, like, if I was one of the guys in Jackson, Jacksonville, the, uh, like, their home base, like, a huge town... If I heard that, I'd be like, oh, fair. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I guess I mean, he kind of did deserve he it. He literally killed a bunch of innocent people that were just trying to do the right thing, but he wanted to have his girl back. And yeah, yeah because we were playing as him, like we're supposed to sympathize with him, and it's kind of hard not to, but at the same time, that's really messed up what he did. It's almost like, you know, it's like Breaking Bad or even like God of War. It's like, yeah, he's they're getting revenge for something that, you know, someone really did them really wrong but they're also hurting a bunch of other people in the process that they do kind of deserve what's coming to them yeah and 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 a lot of the discussion around joel's death was like oh you did a disservice to the character and i just keep thinking did you guys play the original game (laughs) like like joel isn't a good guy he he he, like doomed doomed uh the world essentially by not giving uh an opportunity for a cure to be to be created um, yeah and, and, and then it's like, like people people thought like people knew that this game was going to be very ellie focused um and then there was that there was that trailer that they showed I, I i don't remember when that shows joel clearly being alive during a different point of the game uh did, did you ever see that trailer yeah, it's like like oh you didn't think I was gonna help you. It's like yeah, for the end. and that's, that's like, replaced oh, by there. another character. Wait, mm-hmm. so is, is that a fake out just to make the? Yeah, it was a fake out. It's wow. a it's a completely different character. Wow, um, that's crazy that they actually went through that effort. Although I guess, yeah. I guess these are the guys that also uh, make memes out of these characters, like recreate gifs with these characters' character models. So oh, I guess it's not. I guess, yeah. They did. They did a bunch great. of them for the sequel too. So I'm guessing uh, mm-hmm. it's not that crazy. They swapped. Is that like a Sony thing? Because I know Santa Monica Studio also did that with. I think I think uh, I oh think with Kratos and um, the Atreus, uh, yeah. Ron Swanson Ron oh, Swanson yeah. throwing away I computer. think Last of Us started it and then Santa Monica hopped on the bandwagon and now it's kind of becoming a growing like first party gag but it definitely yeah, started with Last of Us Horizon ones but yeah so yeah. Joel wasn't really a great person and then Ellie you know just blended by revenge because you know violence begets violence and she arguably like does some even worse well yeah she does some really bad stuff on oh, her own journey she to get revenge does. and and it's and it's horrible like she she's pretty much just like the bad guy in this and i think the only thing i would hold off i would like hold against abby which is the name of the the daughter um is the fact that they unless i missed it somewhere but this is like like one of those things where if they had just talked i feel like a lot of the game wouldn't have happened, and maybe that's why they didn't. But like the first time, like right when Abby kills Joel and Ellie is there, she could have just said like, "She's like why?" and then she doesn't say anything. She, oh, leave. she uh, he killed my dad, kind of thing. Yeah, like if she had said like he killed my dad, it's like oh, and then like when it's like oh, they got the oh, hospital. Oh, I, I, like, I haven't even like ever thought about that because I feel like that's like like that's a pretty big deal. I feel like even Ellie, who was already mad at Joel for like taking her away i don't even think she knew that he went on a murder spree and she'd be like wait he killed your dad to save me it's like 
oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I have no reason to even like go after you. Yeah, true. Like, she, I, I've, she never exactly knew that. And and, and they had um, plenty of opportunity. But she did know that. Yeah, okay. like the, yeah. The only thing she ever said was that, like, I know, I know what he did. I know that he, like, say that he stopped me. She thought that they were just mad at the fact that, you know, he pretty much stopped the cure from happening. But that obviously wasn't it. And I mean, that's why everyone else was mad at Joel, but that wasn't Abby's main beef, but they never say it. And then there were so many parts where I'm like, just talk it out. And especially after all the deaths that kept coming that were very much like not deserved on Abby's gang part. It was like, oh, God. Yeah, Ellie. Uh, What's her name? Mel is probably (laughs) the hardest (laughs) one. Uh, Yeah, Ellie just straight up kills a pregnant woman that that and like she didn't know that she was pregnant. Yeah, wow. Uh, friends, friends of friends of Abby's. Yeah, and she does uh, well, like well, she, she, like it's just guard for it. But like, so you think like yeah, just just talk it up. But I mean, they're obviously both beyond talking. I mean, I don't know. It's well, obviously I, easier well, to I say that like on our side, but yeah. Ellie, Ellie is definitely beyond talking because does Abby's group of friends know that know that Joel was was uh the guy who killed abby's dad it it doesn't seem like it because they all every time like before she killed a few of them they would always say something like you know what joel did like he he like screwed us all instead of like yeah he killed abby's dad like it was always like the bigger picture kind of thing so i don't even think they knew which is you know i mean it does seem like abby is kind of a closed off person that doesn't like to talk about her feelings except to owen but yeah some some love interest that you know is also killed by ellie but yeah yeah uh to your point of like talking it out i think ellie probably even even if even if abby had told ellie that's the guy who murdered my dad who was also going to possibly create a cure by you dying i think ellie still probably would have been on that revenge uh on that revenge train only because joel is killed the day after she finally decides to possibly forgive joel for what he did oh yeah Mm -hmm. which was which was also the main reason why at the end of the game ellie doesn't kill abby Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like because it's like if i was if i was ready to forgive uh joel i guess i should be also i should also be able to forgive you for killing him no yeah which is why like i did like the ending like that's why i wasn't like so like well, I do feel like, you know, the whole time I'm attending, I'm screaming at this game, like, come on, just talk it out. I mean, the fact she didn't kill her at the end when she had the chance, it's like, you know what? She broke the cycle. Like, it's, she did end up saving her, all things considering, because, you know, Abby was also trapped in Santa Barbara. But, yeah, it it had a good resolution that I guess, like, you know, Ellie didn't have to die. Abby didn't have to die. A lot of people did. Right. It still really sucked overall, but it also saves the life of Lev like a little boy that is rescued by Abby that, you know, also like kind of helps you grow to like the character Abby or, you know, just sympathize with her because she is a brand new character and they had to develop her, which has been half right. the game doing, which I didn't really expect. I expected to be playing the whole game as Ellie. Didn't really think. Well, I feel like they, it. I feel like they kind of see that because, so the first character that you play in this game is Joel. And like, I always forget about that. Oh yeah. Um, so I guess I guess it gives you like this feeling of like oh sweet I'm gonna be playing as Joel through through some of the game, and it's literally just that intro that you play as Joel, but then after that I don't think you play as Ellie I think you play as Abby like right after that yeah yeah you do or am I wrong? You play as a- as Abby might, right you, after that right? no so I, I think you play as Ellie really quickly and then as Abby but it's like uh-huh. 
I'm pretty sure it's Ellie first and then Abby. But it's like really early. Yeah, so I was always under the impression that like, alright, cool, I'm gonna be playing as these three as these three characters. Uh, because like why would they let you play as Abby at the beginning if if they're not gonna make you play as her later on, I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's like too, too much of a resource a, investment. It yeah, it was still a neat twist uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of the game because it's it's effectively the game is split into two parts. It's Ellie's story and then and then and then Abby's story. I th- I think my biggest problem with the game is how they structured it. I feel like, and I don't uh, know if okay. you guys know who. <laughs> yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know who Cosmonaut Variety Hour is. Either of you? Do you guys know? Mm-hmm. No. He he's like one of those um, MCU slash like film analysis channels but i think mm. he's he's really funny and he, he had like a really good point on this angel and maybe you would have liked this too of um let's say we play as abby and like we meet her friends and then we play as ellie like essentially hunting her friends down and killing them you mm. get me because like when we're introduced to nora we have no idea who this person is yeah and i guess may i guess maybe now that i think about it maybe that's what naughty dog was going for it's like you don't have to know who these people are exactly you just oh, yeah, know that they're associated with abby yeah, because at the time, like, we're... I, I thought they did it this way to have us be more on Ellie's side first and be like, oh, man, let's kill these people. Because we don't know their whole deal. We just know they mm-hmm. did this and, you know, we're supposed to go along with her revenge. And then after, when we get to know them, I thought, like, that was more like, oh, man, we we, we did it bad. Yeah, because, like, because, <laughs> like, when when you see Abby and, and her group of friends essentially watching Abby kill them, you, I guess, automatically assume, like, oh, these are bad guys. Like, I thought Owen was going to be a scumbag. Uh, right yeah. at the beginning of the game, and then it turns out Owen is like one of the, I guess, good people in the game. Like, aside from the from the cheating, <laughs> yeah, the infidelity, <laughs> yeah, the, the infidelity. But uh, like, Owen is is a good dude. Mel, I, I think they they made her too much of the nagging wife character, a little bit too much. But mm, doesn't matter because was... she bites the bullet, or well, she gets stabbed. Not not she's not even <laughs> shot. Owen is. Um, but Nora seemed just seemed like a really friendly, good friend, just like any other one. Yeah, but and then like that scene where you and they do this a lot, and I guess they kind of did it with the Last of Us one, where it's like you don't have a choice between not killing Nora. There's that there's that scene of like it's just Ellie in frame and with square, and oh, if you don't yeah. press square, you're just stu- you just you're just looking at Ellie for a couple of minutes. Like you have to press square and kill Nora to advance the story. Yeah, pretty it's, it's an interesting way of like it's funny because the, the developers Naughty Dog are making you play their game their way but then there are a lot of ways that you can play the game in your own way like how you set your difficulty and have <laughs> yeah. the way that I set mine which is an interesting mix of mix of things kind of an inverse um, almost instead of the freedom of yeah. choice with the play with the gameplay it's freedom of choice with the I guess it is the gameplay still but yeah yeah well yeah it's not a choose your own adventure basically yeah 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 it's not it's hmm. it's a free choice in how you play it's a free choice in how you not what you do but how you get how you how you do it yeah yeah but even not really because you only have to press the button yeah Yeah, it's interesting it's very different than it sounds like than a lot i mean yeah it's just it's a straight the story is a straight line but you get to choose how hard you want to make that straight line (laughs) <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah it's like the sense. city the, the game is a is a city and you start from point a of a city and you get to have to get to point b of a city but it's all the different streets and and avenues that you can take i guess 
Wait, no, that isn't. Oh, no, God. no, it's more like it sounds like what you guys are describing is there is a flag at the top of a mountain, and you can either take a little cable car or you can hike up yourself. Both of them are going to get you to the top of a mountain. You're still going to see the same sites. It's just how do you go about getting there? There we go. That's perfect. Thank That's you. why we keep you around, Jason. Yeah. I know nothing about the game, but I still half an hour in have an analogy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so let me see. Who who did you like playing more as? Abby or Ellie? I, or I guess I, I guess it, I, I I don't know. I mean it's not I mean they obviously control the same, but I feel I enjoyed the gameplay beats of Abby's story more. Yeah, like the island and going like through the top of the cities on the skyscrapers and like Yeah, that skyscraper that scene was, was crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, when they're like, "Oh, this isn't even the high part." It's like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, this isn't even the hard part either." Yeah, <laughs> and they and and I was like, that that scene where where Abby just straight up slips and falls, oh, and man. Lev goes with her. I was like, "How are they going to get out of this?" And and sure enough, oh, they were just above like uh, a pool in that in that yeah. hotel. <laughs> and she also and Abby is the one that also gets like the big boss fight with the plan. I mean, th- honestly, that's like. The so there was, yeah, there there was more human versus human combat than there was, I felt like, human versus plant combat compared to the first one. It kind of felt like the plant people were kind of just there. Um, yeah. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, you but, see the, the infected in the game is, it is that big as, soon as, you, as soon as you get to Santa Barbara, like oh, literally yeah. just at the beginning of Santa Barbara, and then you face off with the the third... Is that the third faction? Yeah, the third faction yeah. of the game. How much of Santa Barbara do they actually show? Like, because Angel and I are, of course, Not from UC Santa Barbara. Much. I mean, uh. it, it feels like I, don't, I couldn't pin down what street it was. I mean, I don't know if these are based off of, like, actual streets. But they do show a train station that looks okay. very much like... The, the train, train station. station. Not, not, the, not the main Amtrak, but the other one. The other Amtrak one. Um, the smaller not one. The main... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one that's like off the one closer to downtown. The one closer, yeah, yeah. It, it felt like they combined that part with the center of downtown SB. So, like, when you kind of like walk down the street, it's like, whoa, this actually looks like it's like really taking me back. Or even some of the. That's like, so cool. Right when you get to Santa Barbara, you start on the beach and you have to make your way up to the street. Uh-huh. And it's just like those like beach stairs that you go through, except, you know, it's like right, post apocalyptic, right. so it's kind of messed up. That's but, you know, so like the street. Cool, though, to have the street something. Th- the street signs are there, like there's Del Mar and I forgot what the other one was, but like, oh, they look like the font and everything's identical. And and uh, as you're going down the street, like the houses are pretty much exactly how they were in Santa Barbara, like all different shapes and sizes. There's a house that has painting all in the front of it, just like you did mm-hmm. in like DP. Mm-hmm. It was it was a nice representation of a, you know, like a post-apocalyptic SP. That's really cool. I wish, I, it's I, really I, cool I wish in games like Santa Barbara. Little... Yeah. But, I, mean, yeah. Just, I mean, UCSB, but... Yeah. Right. Is UCSB located on the beach? It's on a cliff overlooking the beach, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they could have integrated that, especially with the, with the last one. Yeah, but um, it could I have think been the base. that was my favorite part, my favorite looking part of the game. Or or may, maybe it wasn't my favorite looking part, but it's like there there's like three places where this game could have ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right after yeah. like it Ellie's like an and ending, Abby's yeah. fight. Yeah, like that part where where Abby leaves um, Ellie alive, mm-hmm. like that could have been an ending. Uh, the farm after that area could have been an ending. It felt like an epilogue. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But then, nope you you go to Santa Barbara, and I think Santa Barbara I felt was like such a a, uh, 
a breath of fresh air. Uh, yeah. considering like how gloomy and industrial, uh, Seattle is. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of forest and buildings. It's like it's either forest. Yeah, and then Santa Barbara building. is like very sunny uh, up until that uh, the palm up tree. Until that last, in, yeah, that last encounter at the the complex that we were talking about. Abby, Abby definitely did have some stunning parts. The the island, the oh the, yeah, especially uh, when it was on fire. What are they called? The, that looked really cool. Yeah, the Sur, the Seraphites island. Yeah. But yeah, Abby, Abby had probably the more fun encounters. Uh, especially that boss battle, the the only boss battle I feel like in the game, really. Um, yeah, the only actual like with the like King. a boss battle. Yeah, yeah, that thing yeah. was and was tough. Even in the difficulty that I played it, I died like a couple of times because it was like faster than I expected too. And also because mm-hmm. at that point I wasn't really collecting that much ammo because I didn't really need to. And so when I right. fought it, I was pretty much like I only have like four bullets and like some fire extinguisher. So luckily they do have enough ammo in that area to get it, but. You know, you kind of have to run around a lot to give yourself some distance, and the fact that it splits off, like, and by the time it split off, and... yeah, oh, like, yeah, I... when it splits off, I was like, oh my god, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, I didn't, I, I had to, like, fist fight that thing to finish it off, because I did not have any more of anything. But... Yeah, so, so they introduced, uh, I think, what, like, two, two different, two different types of infected in this one? They introduced, yeah. because in the original, you had the people who were just starting to get infected. Uh, you had the clickers, and then you had the uh, the big guys. What what, are the, what do they call them? Boomers. The uh, or... the boomers. I think it's the boomers. Are they really called boomers? Uh, like okay, boomer, boomer. Yeah, uh, like, uh, I, I, perfect. I mean, they weren't called boomers, but it was something similar because they're yeah. like big and they explode and whatnot. Yeah, and then this one introduced the runners, which are basically the. Uh, the the like regular people who got infected who are slightly more clicker like and then you have the what are they called the scre- not the screechers the ones that actively hide from you uh, I forgot their names the lur- the lurkers uh, I, I I totally forgot and then they introduced <laughs> the shambler names <laughs> shambler yeah. Yeah. and then, but I I could have sworn that the shambler was different from the big ones no no the first yeah game. they they, they kind of right? act totally the same yeah, but they're yeah, they're definitely different. Like these explode when you kill them, and the other ones just kind of rip pieces from themselves and throw them at you. Yeah, and explode. And uh, and then the Rat King is the is the only like boss, and the Rat King looks super cool. Is that the I name won't... of the Stranger Things bad baddie in season three, Rat King? Uh, I, I don't well, know. Well, 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 seen... well, the Rat Dungeons well, and Dragons, or yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I mean, well, the Rat King is a normal term that's used for, you know, like an amalgamation of. Rather, right. just a bunch of things coming together to create something. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's like a it's a right, universal uh, term. Yeah, yeah. The the wrecking is terrifying, and it looks so cool. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a statue of the wrecking and how expensive that's going to be. Oh, man. But if it's if it's any if it's under five hundred dollars or five hundred dollars, I will buy it. The wrecking looks so cool, especially Ooh. because you can buy the models or you can unlock the models of like almost oh, every single yeah. character in this game. I love that a lot of games to, like that nowadays. Detail. At least on yeah. PS, at least on everything but the Switch. Like Resident Evil does that, where you can just like admire the animations and the models and spin them around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that Rat King one is super super cool. What what else do we have to touch on? I mean, I overall, I think Abby was probably my favorite character in the game, which is super controversial. It, it by, by the like... end of it, yeah, I, I agree because like even like Ellie had a chance to not do the epilogue. 
I mean, yeah, it did end up saving Abby, which is great, but she pretty much like left her life with Dina that was already like essentially perfect at that point. But mm-hmm. yeah, Abby definitely. And, and then her. her suffering from from PTSD from from Joel's death, like yeah. towards the end. I think that's what probably pushed over pushed Ellie over the edge to to go finish the mission that she had started whenever whenever ago. Then let me see. I I totally forgot. Oh, to Jason's point of like, is there going to be DLC? Yeah. Um, is there? <laughs> I would I would say yes because of the way that they left Abby off of her going to Catalina Island. I wouldn't be surprised if if that's the the DLC. That would be a cool place to see in a video game, Catalina. Abby, Abby, and Lev, which we haven't talked about Lev a lot of a lot about in this. I I think Lev was a good character. The only issue that I have with Lev and what what was his uh, sister's name? Yara. Yeah. The only issue that I have with that storyline is like I I don't know why Abby decided to like help them out, like why she got so invested in them. Do yeah. you know why? It it kind of felt like it was just her just only because because they were kids because they were just like little kids and you know they're going out to fight the war and because they saved her, she just felt right. guilty and responsible. Like ah, I needed to see if they're okay. And at that point, you know everything was kind of going to hell anyway, and she had just wanted to make sure they made it out. It sounds like she just like bonded with them, yeah. I mean, I, but but I think it worked in her favor of just making her even more sympathetic because you know she went out of her way to help these two kids that she literally didn't have to help. So that's something that's something that a lot of people or like one half of the of the uh, of the reactionary audience didn't like. Of like, do you think that Abby's section of the game was literally just to make her sympathetic? Because I don't think it was. I don't think so. I think it helped, like, advance the story. I mean, it just, like, increases the lore. Like, I mean, you want to know, like, it just peels back the layers of what the organizations were up to and not just Joel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just helps you get a better grasp, grasp of the story. It, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the object was to make it sympathetic, but, I mean, it felt necessary. It probably would have had the same impact if we didn't have that and just more Ellie. Because, you know, it just mm-hmm. makes it it makes it more interesting. I mean, no, yeah. there's nothing worse than a story that, like, I mean, what if everything happened the way everyone thought? It's like, cool. Like, <laughs> Joel didn't die, or he did, but to someone else. I don't know. I, if, I mean, that'd be boring. Like, give me something that I don't see coming. It doesn't mm-hmm. have, it doesn't always have to be satisfying. It's great if it is, but at least I don't have to be like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming a mile away. I mean, even when though the, I joked about it, like, I mean, I was still mm-hmm. kind of surprised that it was the case, but, yeah. yeah. Uh one of the and and speaking to that point the game does start off as a revenge story i guess it's like abby's revenge story literally ends within the first hour of the game right yeah you'd say that yeah but but uh ellie's is is pretty much throughout the entire the entire time but man where where was i going with this <laughs> uh oh yeah like like people people kept saying that like abby's revenge seemed like justified and like Abby's revenge was good and like Abby's a good character and like that was a badly uh, a really badly written story by by the devs but I'm like mm. at the end of the game Abby is like she's on she's on the brink of death all her friends are dead her revenge caused nothing but pain how can yeah. you say that Abby's that Abby's revenge was good when like <laughs> Abby probably now has PTSD yeah it's, it's literally like revenge causes revenge, death causes. I mean, if she had just, if she didn't kill Joel, yeah, none of that would happen. But 
could you say she's better off for it? I mean, maybe yeah, mentally, like absolutely but not. No one, and, and that, that's but, something that I hate. It, 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 but that is never okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the the whole idea of like the devs just made a oh revenge is bad kind of game. I'm like, uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that's what this game was saying. Uh, that's a that's another good point that uh, Cosmonaut Variety Hour talked about. Like on the on its face, it does seem like a revenge story, but it's more about forgiveness. And mm. and I think that that final scene really drives it home when uh, Ellie is is finally ready to forgive Joel. Yeah. And I think it's that last scene that puts everything together. Of like Ellie isn't doing isn't trying to hunt Abby out of revenge. Just just because of revenge, it's because she was ready to forgive. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people just miss that miss that subject. And of course, every you everybody has has their right to interpret their story. That's how I interpreted it. And, oh, yeah. and I don't I know, this it just way, seems insane to me. Yeah, and this way I felt like it had a bigger impact. I don't think it would have been as satisfying if she had killed Abby. I mean, if anything, at some point I was expecting like for her to kill Abby and then Lev just like suddenly wakes up and just like shoots Ellie with an arrow. And then it's like, well, um, I guess I like, just kept it. Yeah. That, that would have been way more lame. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. This way they both have kind of closure, but yeah. Yeah. They both have kind of closure. And like we said, we Oh, at the end of the game, Abby is talking to the Fireflies, which were one of the factions from the first game, who are holed up in Catalina. Do you think that was the Fireflies, or do you think that was the Rattlers? The the those uh, I was those, thinking like, slave traders. Yeah, I was thinking that at some point, and maybe that was just like their way to, you know, find people that are there, or that's just like a way to trap them. But... Yeah, and then you hear them on the radio, and then yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I think I. I want to assume it was the the fireflies. It kind of feels mm-hmm. like, I mean, especially since like the rumors were spreading all the way to Seattle, and that's where they first heard about Santa Barbara. But yeah. or that, I mean, because I mean, I feel like that gives the Rattlers a ton of credit at like how good they are at luring people to find the fireflies. Although that is what people would be mm-hmm. wanting to do in a world like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a good thing they right. can explore in future DLC. I mean, that could be a twist. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So um. I guess, so the ending, I, I think the ending was a little too on the nose because throughout the entire game, as Ellie, you can pick up guitars and, and start playing them. Mm. And then <laughs> at the, at the end, sh- the, the final battle between her and Abby, that, that's another point that I don't like how, how gamey it was that, that Ellie had to force Abby to fight her just for like this final confrontation. Yeah, that was kind of, yeah. that was like, okay, uh. I'm sure they could have they they could have found better ways of of having that final fight happen. Um, it is what it is. But in that final fight between her and Abby, Abby bites off two of Ellie's fingers. Oh yeah, and then she can't play the guitar. <laughs> yeah, and now she can't play the guitar. And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> but uh, Ellie leaves uh her well, like like her countryside house, her empty countryside house because her. Her wife decided to pack up and leave, uh, because of Ellie's desperate need for revenge, which makes sense. Um, but if they're the end, the ending just has like Ellie just going off into the forest. Do you think that there's going to be a part three that picks up after this? Uh, I don't know. At least not with Ellie. I feel, or at the very least, I feel like they should just kind of not touch Ellie's story anymore. I think they left it at a good point. Well, just they, they left it. They, 
they're at a point where I feel it shouldn't be touched anymore. I don't think there's anything more like, that. Like, her story they, should be done completely. Yeah. Beyond, beyond that, it's going to be completely different, like, struggles and encounters that don't have anything to do with this aspect that I feel she completely grew into and has, you know, experienced and learned a lot from. I don't think they're, they should right. really mess with that at this point. Because because a lot of the of the talk of this game was, like, did the did Last of Us need a sequel? And I feel like you could say, no, it didn't need a sequel, but there was enough questions around the ending of that game, especially with how vague uh, Ellie's reaction to Joel saying, like, no, I'm telling you the truth was. Which, like, yeah, you can explore an entire... That's, that's originally what I thought this game was going to be. Of, like, I thought we were going to, as adult Ellie, find out uh, the truth. And there's that flashback that shows that she went out of her way to Salt Lake City to to find out the truth herself and like told them yeah but it ended up just being um, about the consequences of the first game which is also cool but yeah yeah i i guess yeah if there was a part three i i wouldn't want to see ellie's story be done i mm-hmm. actually wouldn't want to see abby's story either mm-hmm. honestly as much as much as i like abby i don't know where else they could go with her story assuming that the fireflies are in catalina island i mean it could be interesting just to follow a completely new character in that world i mean there must be other yeah, there's, there's other world, story that could be told in a post-apocalyptic plant zombie land. It is ambiguous to where like Ellie is going. For all we know, she's going yeah. to to Jacksonville, which I think that's where Dina left left to back with mm-hmm. uh, Tommy and and Maria. Tommy, Tommy and Maria. Yeah, I don't know. I I, f- I feel like yeah. Now this is Ellie's story is completely done. Like yeah. I do not need any more of Ellie's story. Originally, when when the last ones came came out and with that ending i'd be like oh i mean it would be cool to explore a story in which ellie finds out the truth do i need mm-hmm. it no but it'd be cool like here i don't need to know the answer to whether she's going to jacksonville back to dina or wherever she's going you know yeah yeah and then like i said abby abby's story i can i can be completely done with i thought i thought, she, I thought abby was a great character lev is a great character some of the side characters do get shafted uh jesse yeah, jesse just straight up gets killed yeah, uh, Jesse like, and even um, the other friend, or Abby's friend, the not Owen. Abby's the, friend, the the uh, Mexican dude that spits on yeah that spits on Joel. Oh, the, that that section, the the sniper section. Did you think it was gonna be Tommy? Yeah, because he's the only other character that we've been shown to use a sniper at before that point. So I figured it had to be Tommy. I, oh, that didn't click with me because we had the sniping because, tutorial. Because that that yeah, because that sniping tutorial, but you never actually snipe. In the game after that, yeah, it was just. Huh. I, I think that was just there just to kind of like give us a hint. That's like, oh, there's a sniper there, and I'm like, oh, that's Tommy. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that just didn't click with me until now. <laughs> Holy crap! This game has so many layers. Uh, yeah, that's why I feel like a second playthrough is definitely justified. But we'll definitely give myself some time to breathe. I bet you feel like you just played the whole game, right, Jason? <laughs> I do. Well, if the game was an hour, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anything else you want to touch on? Uh, that pretty much covers everything. It's just great game. It's a it's a good game. Yeah. Good yeah, and, and you're absolutely allowed to not like it, but yeah. giving a 0 out of 10, like just on a technical analysis, like this game doesn't deserve a 0 out of 10. I don't mm-hmm. think that the story can be so bad to you that you can be like, this game is absolute trash, as as good as it looks and plays and stuff like that. Which this game almost has like no loading screens. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, so 
Yes. All right. So, and spoilers for Last of Us Two. What a <laughs> terrible. <game. laughs> no, <laughs> not just just joking. Uh, and with that, that's going to wrap up this this uh, episode, episode five of Quarantine Chronicles. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us. On, uh, <laughs> really thank you for listening. They're the first time we've ever had a single topic be an hour long. That was also the. This is also the single longest episode we've ever done of anything under random Nintendo. So congratulations, <laughs> boys! <laughs> hey, just goes to show you, we bam, have bam, more. Bam, bam. There, are, there is more to us than just Nintendo. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Um. So where was I? Okay. Yeah. Follow us on uh your your streaming your audio streaming platform of choice. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Pandora. We just got on, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that that's the most correct. recent one that, that we got. That's the most on. recent as of uh, half a year ago now. But yep, yep. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We are randomnintendo.com. Nope. Uh, oh, follow us on YouTube as well. Uh, we are random. no, that's where we're randomnintendo.com. There you go. Yeah. yeah <laughs> see, I want to naturally do this. Like usually, I have a script. I just want to, you know, I want to challenge myself Doesn't by know not it. having a script of everything that we're on. Yo, yo, uh, yo, on Twitter, we are randomnintendo. Mm-hmm. Jason is JSR seven. Uh, Angel, I always forget how to pronounce Wayro. Yep, you got it. There we go. Wayro. Uh, w e i r o underscore o. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh, I am. I am Kevin Gomi on Twitter. Uh, so the website is down currently. For now. We are trying to get that fixed. Yeah, as ASAP. Yep. Uh, that's where uh, you will find uh, blog posts on everything. Ultimately, uh, including this episode. Ultimately, yeah. Yep. And I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Nope. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Nope. All right. Jason, final word. It's a couple words. I might have to get a PC because while you're talking about Last of Us 2, Digital Devolver announced a marketing simulator where you walk through a fake convention promoting all their games. And I'm a sucker and I'm now going to go buy a PC. So I'll talk to you guys on Windows in two weeks, I guess. <laughs>